0: Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you to episode number 62 of the Primetime Rundown here on the Eastern Observer and the Blackjack Media Group. I'm Joey Jarzinka. Cannot thank you all enough for joining us here on this beautiful Monday evening. And it is 7 o'clock here on the East Coast, a gorgeous day out here uh, in New York. So for those that are spending their time inside or listening to us, we really appreciate you taking uh, taking a couple hours out to, uh, to hear us banter. About everything uh, in sports. Alongside my guys, Ian Shry and Rob DeLuca, I'm Joey Jarzinka. Can't thank you all enough for joining us again on this Monday evening. Our show is presented to you by Black Cats NYC. Be sure to listen to their newest album called Free Cake. It is out now, play loud. Take a peek on Apple Music, Deezer, YouTube, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, Pandora, and Spotify. Ian Schreier, uh you were just at the zoo with your daughter today at the Bronx Zoo. Uh did we bring back any uh, any cheetahs for her or any uh any uh, any mountain lions, any llamas or you actually sent a picture uh to me of a llama, I believe. Or was that an alpaca?
1: No, that was a camel by the way. Oh, that mom. was a camel. Uh, oh, okay. Um, and and a stuffed camel um came home with us uh, from the Bronx Zoo.
0: Okay, so at least you had a fun time on this gorgeous Monday afternoon. But Rob Deluca, you are down in Seaside. How are you? And uh, you know I, we're, we're beginning to to figure out these rooms that you're in. And obviously, you're down at your uh, at your house uh, down in Seaside. I can't. Soon enough,
2: nobody will know where I am. Once the backdrop comes in, it re- <laughs> it'll be a beautiful thing. And it, and then it's just going to be a big old mystery again. It's going to take away the fun of the ba- of the changing backgrounds. But you know what? matching is better just like the, and just like we're going to match the beautiful shows we've done in the past with a great one here tonight
0: yeah there's no doubt about it and we actually have a guest later on tonight at 8:30 we will be welcoming the host of the podcast the music city audible for Broadway Sports and the writer for the Tennessee Titans for Broadway Sports and Music City Miracles, Justin Mello. He will be joining us to preview the Tennessee Titans and what they have been able to do in this offseason. That will also continue our NFL talk throughout August 30th when we will conclude our Monday shows. So let's keep on going, fellas. Here we've got a tight-packed show here this evening on this Monday night, uh, July 26th. Episode number 62. Let's get things started. Uh guys, the National Hockey League welcomed welcomed uh team number 32 into the fold and they welcomed in the Seattle Kraken. Uh it, let's take a recap of what they or who they chose. First they chose Jeremy LaZon from Boston. They worked their way down and actually I was unaware of how they were going to do it. They actually did it in alphabetical order as per division. So they went uh, from where they had Boston, obviously all of the teams go back to their normal divisions pre pandemic. Uh, so they went Atlantic, uh, then I believe, uh, then they just really went down the list. Yeah. Atlantic,
1: um, Metro central Pacific. Yep. So there
0: you go. Right. And obviously they, uh, they stuck with the Pacific at the end, save the best for last where they will end up. Arizona now moves from the Pacific division to the central, uh, I want to start with Rob DeLuca here. I want to recap Seattle and see what uh, Ron Francis did, the general manager did that you may have approved of, or things that you really didn't like about this expansion draft this year.
2: Well, you know, this expansion draft was real interesting because when the protection lists were released by the other 30 teams just a couple of days prior... Everyone was saying how general, oh my God, general managers learned nothing from the Vegas expansion draft just four years ago. It seemed like Seattle was going to be gift wrapped, a great team, a lot of high priced and talented players were still out there. And Seattle just went in a completely different direction. They kind of went more towards of, uh, we're going to try to take some lesser expensive players and depth players and just try to build something long term, but they had the opportunity to be like Vegas and be cup contenders right out the right out of the gate and well at the very least deep playoff contenders from the start and they essentially threw that opportunity away. Their best player came from the New York Islanders and Jordan Eberly and I gotta be honest Jordan Eberly, great hockey player. he should never be your best player though and the fact that there are no there were no side deals to these selections is what's even more shocking. So it yes. tells you that Ronnie Francis took these players by choice. It's not like there was a trade like here. We'll give you this, this and this as long as you don't take these guys, you can have him. They he by his own choice chose kind of a grittier lineup that a lot of players don't some of them I never even heard of on the on the NHL rosters. I thought these were some of these were AHL players. It's and some were AHL it, players. It, and the so thing I, to I'm me, very confused as to how they went about this. And now they have a boatload of cap room to work with. And their names weren't haven't been in any trade rumblings. And I'm not hearing their names on any of these top free agents that are out there yeah. when we have our great free agency special right here on the Eastern Observer Thursday night. We're going to talk about all of these acquisitions for some of these high-talented high, high talented players, and I don't even know if we're going to bring up Seattle, because I don't know if they're going to do anything.
1: And Seattle's not even at the cap floor yet, Rob. That's yeah. the
2: problem. So that you would expect them to be active because of this, uh-huh. but...
1: Well, I, they have no
0: choice. They have no they choice but to, to be active.
2: Somebody, but it seems like they're not going for the higher talented, higher priced players. Their names just haven't been in there, based on what we have seen around the Twitter world with the insiders of Elliot Friedman, Frank Savarelli. They're just Seattle's names not coming up.
0: So yeah. Right yeah.
2: See how they reach the floor. How they acquire new players. See what deals they will eventually make. But a very suspect expansion draft overall.
0: I'll tell you this, DeLuca. It made no sense to me when, they, when uh, you had multiple players that you could have taken. Multiple players. And one of which I'll start with the New York Islanders, for instance. Uh, when you want to take someone that has character, that can play on the defensive side, and also can play an offensive role. Uh, in Josh Bailey, but also wears an A on his sweater and can conceivably wear a C for your squad, Uh, he was not taken. And there were many talks, there were lots of talks saying, well, he's probably the route that Ronnie Francis wants to go down because he can really get this locker room adjusted uh, into the National Hockey League by the likes of Josh Bailey but instead you take Jordan Everly, you take Yanni Gord who I think is I'll I'll give you this one uh Jordan Eberly is not the best player on a team he's your second best player Yanni Gord is your best is your best playmaker and Jordan Everly will fit right alongside on line number 1 which really is a scary thought because out there in the west and they're going to be playing in the Pacific division it's going to be an absolute dogfight between uh Vegas and Seattle. And I think that Vegas will come away with every single win. But that's besides the point. Looking at this roster, though, uh, this to me is just made up of a bunch of second-line players, some that can play on the power play as well as the uh, the penalty kill, such as Callie Yarncroke. Uh, the, uh, and I think the, the best pick for them was um, uh, uh, Mark Giordano out of Calgary. Uh, because if you really need to get somebody, um, you know, some more leadership value in a Jamie Oleksiak, who I can 100% see begin to wear the A for this team uh, beginning next year, uh, he also just signed a five-year deal uh, worth 4.6 million AAV. Uh, this is definitely another player that can take you to the next level with one year of Mark Giordano under his belt. Ian trier we also got to see the first uh, broadcast of ESPN uh, in the National Hockey League world for the first time since 2004. Now, when I was in in 2004, I was nine years old, okay? So I don't really know a lot, and I'm not trying to age you here, but help me out here. You remember the days of Gary Thorne. You remember the days of when the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup, their final uh, broadcast on ABC, and Gary Thorne was on that call. Talk about what you saw with Chris Fowler, And uh, former New York Rangers legend, Dominic Moore, who just made that leap from NBC to ESPN.
1: Who knew that the Carolina Panthers played in the National Hockey League? (laughs) Um, Aside from the fact that ESPN touted it as one of their most highly watched um, events of the year, considering it was the first NHL anything. I mean, aside from the fact that ESPN Plus, over I believe it's been now the last two years, has been carrying um national hockey league games on the espn plus platform it was the first national telecast of anything on espn espn2 anything on the disney network um that includes abc excuse me uh so i think to espn's credit i think that was great for them that they were able to build that up a little bit leading into the draft um and then on top of that to um draw as much attraction because it's new it's it's something that that Fans of ESPN that were waiting for Gary Thorne to come back, which d- does not seem is going to happen, um, the first sight of anything ESPN related to the NHL, the old music that you might have wanted to hear for the first time in, in 15 plus years, um, that ESPN was able to draw that kind of audience um, back uh, for, for a sport that they haven't delivered on in, in a decade and a half. Um, with respect to the draft itself, though, the name that I thought that I that I was going to see, that I thought that... Ron Francis was going to go out there and get was Carrie Price. Um, I thought that was one of the biggest misnomers, I think, just despite my issues with really the injuries um, with respect to, you know, there's there's a lot of question marks regarding Carrie Price's health. I understand that. But when you look at the roster that Ron Francis has built and the lack thereof of goaltending that this team is going to run out there year one, I'm not saying that every team, when they, you know, whatever, you know, however far, however far, much further the nhl decides to expand their universe in terms of how many more cities they want to expand into now i'm not saying everybody's going to be vegas and everybody's going to go to the stanley cup final in their first year but when you look at that roster from top to bottom and you look at the fact that they don't have a clear-cut number one goaltender it, it's just it, it it boggles my mind and you you haven't even reached the cap floor yet so you're telling me you don't want to take at least the slightest chance at the fact that the montreal canadiens left carry price unprotected knowing the injuries but knowing his history and knowing maybe he could be what a mark andre fleury could was to vegas you don't take a chance on carry price that really arose. that really brought up the biggest question mark to me for seattle in the draft
0: so i, yeah. I think to me though really i think the biggest thing here is is that you there there, there were a, a there's a plethora of goaltenders that were available in the expansion draft the moment you see 10 million dollar cap hit the moment you hear about a lot of these rumors that are going around, is listen, there's a very big possibility also that the Montreal media may have spiced this up to shy Ron Francis away from their it's very goaltender, from their franchise goaltender. And kudos to Montreal if that was the case. I don't believe so, but at a $10 million cap hit, I think kudos to Ron Francis. I disagree with Ian, and I'll tell you why, because there's a guy that is just about, I don't know, maybe 40 miles north that the reason why he signed in Vancouver was because he was going to be dangled in front of this expansion draft in Braden Holtby, and the reason why he signed there was obviously to sign that two-year deal to eventually prove himself and maybe get taken, and possibly a brand new deal in a year or two, or something along those lines. Uh, I think, in my opinion, though, with with this whole with this whole expansion draft, it was an epic failure. Uh, and I also believe that Seattle, even though that they are ten million uh, away from the cap floor, I believe we are seeing what Arizona is doing right now and what Arizona is doing right now. They are taking everyone's garbage. literally everyone's garbage. We got to see. Uh, a trade that actually just went down yes. uh, about, I believe a couple hours ago with Anton Strallman, uh former Correct. New York Rangers legend, Anton Strallman, um, who was traded with a, pl- with a few other picks and then was traded back or rather the, uh, the return from Arizona to Florida was just a seventh rounder in 2023. They are beginning to take all of these scraps as the Islanders did with Andrew Ladd. They traded him yeah. over there. Uh, Vancouver of course traded uh or traded for Oliver Ekman Larson and Connor Garland as Frank Saravelli called a giant whopper of a financial transaction because it really was where it was nearly $70 million being uh, traded back and forth over the border. Um, I think just Arizona is another team. And really I would say Seattle as well should be another team similar. If you don't want to go out and sign these players, that's the way I see it. I think it was an epic failure um I, concern, I think
1: joey is is do you, did seattle want to compete year one uh, look i, I didn't you... mind them going I, I think your point joey on josh bailey was was you know it's not every day that a ranger fan and an islander fan agree but i'm glad i'm glad tyler and i um agree to that respect about saying not taking carrie price was a mistake it's not every day a franchise goalie falls in your lap well it's also a mistake that the Seattle Kraken went right after Jordan Eberle and just completely overlooked Josh Bailey. Like I know he's not the best season performer. He's more, he's he's a better postseason performer than he's a regular season performer. You went out there and you got guys that have won cups like Brandon Tanev and Vince Dunn. And you, and you decided to, you know, fill your roster with some experience and guys that have played at the highest level in the NHL. Meanwhile, you, you've got, you you don't have anything with respect to goaltending. So I, 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 I think to Joey's point, yeah, the the draft was a failure from from a a point of saying where how Ron Francis built his roster. Um, that's number one. I mean, I think number two, I think Chris Fowler was just a, a problem o- overall with how he led um that expansion draft. Um, there there was just no enthusiasm behind it whatsoever. I mean, I think they were excited. I mean, <laughs> I just want to go back to one thing about, it, and I'm not trying to, trying to pour gasoline on a fire when it comes to the Islanders here, but I think, but how much did it pain Jordan Everly to have to wear that Seattle Kraken jersey months, knowing the fact that his team, the team that he's going to play for this season, as compared to where he was only, what, a month ago? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just kind of yeah. felt for him, you know, with respect to how how is he supposed to come to Seattle and be optimistic about where this team is heading after he, he just was sent off a team that was... Uh, again, a win or two away from, from heading to a Stanley Cup final.
0: And keep in mind also, Jordan Eberle years ago with Edmonton made the playoffs one time. This is the part where we might see Jordan Eberly maybe never get back to the playoffs. Uh, very possible. there is a that's a that is a giant possibility, and the same thing will also go for Yanni Gord, who is a winner in Tampa. And now he's also going to have to be with two cups, as Deluca was pointing out. There, uh, with two cups, you also have someone like Brandon Tanev as well. You've got someone again like Jamie Oleksiak, who is not really used to the uh, to the winning part. He was in the Stanley Cup final a year ago in the bubble with Dallas, uh, but also again, Mark Giordano is another is another winner, unable to uh, to hoist the cup back. Uh, in 2000 and, uh, it was 2004, 2005. Was he, was he on that? Oh, four
1: I think He time? was. Yeah. I believe yeah, he, was he was on that. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was talk Joey of him being flipped to the Rangers. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ryan, yeah. Ryan's
2: yeah Ryan's but- Oh, yeah. So- involving the Blackwell pick, you know, which yeah. honestly, the I think the Rangers fumbled that one I, that that was too easy of a pick for Seattle. I would have been shocked if they took anybody else because but see, that's
0: the thing, though. See, that's the thing is that in terms of a fumbling of a pick to Luca, I'm going to tell you this. Every single pick, in my opinion, with the exception of Yanni Gordon, was a complete fumbling because there should have been side deals. Things should, should have happened, time. and you know what? And and the whole thing, and and really to sum up this this part or this segment with the expansion draft, Frank Saravelli, Darren Drager, I'm sorry, not Darren Drager, Pierre Lebron from TSN and the Athletic, right, right. Um, essentially ruined the uh, the expansion draft and the televised version of it because oh, yeah. everyone knew with social media, uh, it, it, it simply is not going to uh you know there was no enthusiasm you saw it there you saw it on the ground in seattle everyone knew the picks everyone with social media knew the picks yeah, um man. so Joey, expan- do you
1: think Joey, do you think and i'll leave i'll leave it on this do you think that because this whole expansion draft turned into a spectacle do you think that ron francis being held up there on the podium on the stage to basically interview with Chris Fowler and Dominic Moore, and also to interview basically fellow Seattle celebrities, because that's really what it was. It was basically a Hollywood red carpet of Seattle know-hows, uh, you know, Seattle, you know, who, who's in Seattle celebrities, that that took him probably away from making those side deals that he probably could have if he was in a war room, maybe in, you know,
0: at the key no. arena or wherever he might No, have no, and the reason why is because we have to look back to Vegas, because Vegas, yep. I believe they did very similar, the same exact thing oh, as yeah, the, the, the arena. They, they, uh,
3: and they, were, and, and, they and they were and they
0: were presenting team. all their picks. And if I'm not mistaken, because of similar to what Tyler is is saying here, you weren't getting the side deals because the NHL had already said they weren't going to let that happen twice. Yeah, that
2: well, no doubt. But at the same but, time, some of these that that means you chose these players over these uh, over talent talent more talented guys on purpose, which. What it are you trying no to sense accomplish to make. here? It
0: doesn't make yeah. any sense because the direction, there's supposed to be a direction when you build a team. And we Absolutely. saw right away with Vegas, they were taking they were taking high name players when we saw Marc Andre Flurry to start went for it all. And yeah. right, exactly. And they went, they went to start. They went obviously similar to uh what a lot of general managers do. a lot of general managers do, they start from the goaltender and move upward, similar to what yeah, they did And I, the don't, I, don't have did. That. I don't George, I don't have the. There is no direction at all on where Ron Francis went. But that's my where own, we're going to Yeah, my, I, I, yeah allow me. Please. Uh,
2: I will say I'll probably end up having to change my mind during our NHL preview show in September. But for now, I think that the Seattle Kraken don't make the playoffs with this roster, and they it wouldn't even be close no. either. Oh, not
0: even, not, a, shot, not, shot, not a shot. Hold on. Hold on. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull you back there. And this. And we say we're gonna stop here, but I want. I want to Is that an actual prediction right now. I think that that's a bad prediction because we said that, or at all, well, we didn't have our show back when Vegas uh right. just be, became in, and they went to the Cup final. So never say never. Never. And no.
2: I'll wait for. I'll wait for the. It's, it's a
0: preview show,
2: definitely. When, when we do it in September. But yeah, that was a rough, rough draft. I say let's do a quick around the horn of, of grades, and I say the broadcast itself with Chris Fowler and all that gets um, an F, and the actual drafting by Ron Francis gets a D.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, you know, and 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 we appreciate and we appreciate Tyler uh, sticking in with us here as he's uh, at work right now. So so glad that that uh, that that you know Tyler's doing his job. Right, uh, (laughs) you You
2: to name one by one by naming one, he literally literally named also
0: neglecting how much future core talent Seattle took. Vince Dunn to name one, okay, Tyler. Yeah, we
2: named one.
0: We said Vince Dunn, we said Brandon Tanev,
1: we said Jamie Oleksiak. I mean, when you look down the list of, of what was available and who Ron Francis took, he did not, and the fact that they're not even at the cap floor, he clearly. Fumbled quite a few picks and and exactly. guys, exactly. He could compete right away. I don't think he did that.
0: No. Right. This is so.
2: this 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 isn't a this was not a playoff build. It'll be interesting to see what he does with the rest of the offseason. But
0: well, he clearly well, has a five-year plan as, as Tyler as Tyler. But I again, I mean, but you see, that's I mean, the thing I hope that. when you say that when Tyler says clearly has a five-year plan, you can't really say that when he doesn't have a plan to say, he said nothing the whole no thing. In year one, said nothing. I,
1: I mean, I hope by five years their their playoff. That's what I'm saying. Right? I think it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> But do we I really? Mean, we what? wanted to see. We wanted to see Vegas go through a five year plan. So I hope Tyler's right in the sense that Seattle has a five year plan and goes through it like the rest of the other expansion teams in this no, league. Bad. had I think, to go think, through. Look,
1: look, look, they're they're in a division with the Kings and the Ducks who are
2: both rebuilding. I mean. Wait, Look, you, and here's the thing to... because of this Seattle <laughs> roster, one of them's probably ending up in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, they're going to take, you know,
2: take that third spot.
0: Well, there's really no clear cut winner, as a, uh, okay, with the exception of Vegas. And now with in Colorado. Vancouver. No, 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 no. Colorado, Colorado is in the central. S- San Jose. Oh, that's right. San Jose, no shot. No No shot. San Jose is in an absolute rebuild, and there's also chatter where we saw on the. How about that
2: trade? How about that trade with the Sharks this morning, Joey?
0: Yes, it was a big one. we will get to that in our sports update in a moment, but our good friend, Brian Morales, uh, director of media relations at Wagner college. uh, B, cannot thank you enough as again, for continuing to watch us and uh, give us some comments as well. So Seattle doesn't get the players. Everyone thought, does this mean that they were playing for top spot in the draft next year? Stockpile on young players and draft picks. Now, if that's the case again, uh, you know, you don't obviously have to tell us that, but, I mean, I I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll say this really
2: quick, then we'll move on. There's there's obviously there's a consensus number one for the 2022 draft already. His name's Shane. His name's uh, Shane Wright, and he is supposed to be very very good. He's going number one overall, unless he severely unless he gets severely injured, God forbid. He will be the number one overall pick. A lot of teams want him. The ones that aren't contending, but when you're in a lot when you're in a lottery format. It's hard to say that. That's you, my point. That's my point. Yep. You, we're in a lottery format. It's never the right thing to do. To never a right thing to do to tank ever. Yeah. Never you intentionally lose games because in you the get, you actually get burned. Hockey karma is real, and the yep. hockey gods look upon that, and you will get smited if you intentionally throw it away. So I know Brian
1: Morales is a huge Knicks fan too. Like you, he knows better than anybody. You can't even tank in the NBA with the, with the possibility of losing the number one pick. It's the same in the NHL.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And I want to end off with, uh, with Tyler's comment here where I disagree with the latter. You can't blame a guy who just had his entire draft spoiled by keeping his mouth shut. RF Ron Francis is a top tier GM. He knows what he's doing. Well then Tyler, why is he not back in Carolina running the show? That's where I'm going to leave it at. Oh, <laughs> oh, just per-
2: Oh, and you're not even going to let him come on the show to defend him. Just how? I hope he's got some aloe for that burn you just left him. jump. Well,
0: I'll be honest because in Carolina things went very poorly. Yes, I understand that ownership was not doing certain things and spending money, like for instance Alex Nijelkovic, where Stevie Iserman, oh I don't know, completely fleeced the Carolina Hurricanes. That's for a nice a way to becoming goaltender, but. I hate to say it. If Ron Francis was whatever, it simply does not. It, it, it simply does not happen. Um, if Ron Francis is a top tier general manager, he is in Carolina still with brand new ownership with Don Waddle and the rest of that ownership group. If he was a top tier GM, uh, I think he's still good. But uh, let's got let's let let's move on, fellas. Here, uh, guys. On Thursday, we've got our free agency frenzy show. Cannot wait to get that. All started up on set or on Thursday, July 29th, 7 p.m. That is actually all of the information is on our ticker on the bottom. We really appreciate everyone tuning in, as well as um, as as well as the guys that are coming on. We've got the fourth period's Dennis Bernstein, we've got Newsday's Andrew Gross, who's going to be coming on, we've got our recurring guest Mike Zabo, who's going to be coming on. Uh, we got a few more uh, coming on as well. It's going to be tons of fun on Thursday, uh, but keep in touch with everybody on social media by following us at Observe Eastern on Twitter and uh, by following us on Twitter individually, all of our information is on the bottom. Uh, guys, I want to continue on with this NHL uh, segment because the New York Rangers grab Barkley Goudreau at a big time deal uh, six years worth $3.6 million AAV. Uh, they traded also Pavel Buchnevich, Pavel Buchnevich to St. Louis as well. Uh, for Ian, what he wrote here, a cap casualty, but could prove costly if they don't trade for Eichel or sign Landeskog. Well, I'll tell you why they did that because they need fourth line help. They also need third line help and they also need grit in that locker room. Plain and simple guys. I want to touch upon this, uh, upon this trade here. Uh, that really the Rangers acquired Barkley Goudreau's rights from Tampa Bay. He's a two-time cup winner. He was also on the, uh, the ice when Joe Pavelski got hurt against Vegas. He did not come back in that series uh, just a couple of years ago. Then Barkley Goudreau was shipped out. Um, So I I would say that, It's a pretty good deal for a fourth liner. The term, not great. The money is pretty good. Uh, Ian, I want to start with you. You're a Rangers fan. Let's see what you got.
1: Well, I like the good road move, and I know both of you are not a fan of the AAV that you're paying for a fourth liner, but I think a lot is going to rear its ugly head when the Islanders sign Casey Sezikis to whatever that fourth line um, AAV is going to be as well. Um, I think we're learning more and more um, especially what we've seen from the Islanders these past couple of years, what we've seen from the Tampa Bay Lightning these past couple of years, that now all of a sudden you're going to have to pay uh, pretty well for bottom six talent. And I'm not trying to give you know Chris Drury all the credit in the world because he's going to get an F in my book right now on the Pavel Buchnevich trade because everybody believed that that was leading into a trade um, for Jack Eichel. And that appears is not on the table right now, maybe not on the table at all. So um, I, I do like the good role move. This is a team that is in dire need of bottom six help and dire need of grit. This is, that is something that owner James Dolan asked for in the offseason with respect to how he saw his team compete against those top tier teams of the Eastern Division who they could not compete against because they did not have um, those kind of players. Now, with respect to Bucinavich, that's a concern because this guy is a top six forward. This is a guy who produces when he's healthy. Um, and if they can't find a guy to replace him or or put another scorer um, on that wing right now, and you're going to depend on <clears throat> young players who, who are still unproven, like Um, You had to like what you saw last year out of a guy like Vitaly Kravtsov. But I don't know if those kind of guys are top six forwards yet. Um, so I think there's a lot of questions going in. They're still in need of center help. Um, there's talk of Ryan Strom still on the trade block. So if he goes, what, what exactly besides Chris Kreider are you doing at center? Um, so I think, uh, for the, um, for the Rangers, there's still a lot of question marks to be answered, but the Barkley Goodrow move was a, was a step in the right direction. No question.
0: And I think also uh, before we get to Rob DeLuca, I just want to just throw my two cents out here. I think that the next move, and I'm going to say this wholeheartedly for a lot of Rangers fans out there and even Islanders fans too, um, look for Phil Deneau to be chased, uh, by Chris jury and the Rangers, because really, who can fit alongside Barkley Goudreau on that fourth line? Philip Deneau perfectly. He can play on the penalty kill, and he is, in my opinion, one of the best penalty killers as well as def- or uh, defensive uh, forwards in the entire NHL and will be paid like one. I don't know if it's going to be the Rangers, but there's also some chatter that the Florida Panthers are also out yes. there. But the Montreal Canadiens are going to be letting Phil Deneau, get to Wednesday unscathed. Deluca, your thoughts That's on right. this Goudreau move? I know you didn't like the term.
2: Yeah, no, look, you don't give you don't give term like this to fourth line players, bottom six players. You just don't you don't do it. The money's fine, but teams need to stop trying to replicate the Islanders' fourth line. That literally defies all logic of fourth lines. It it's, it can't be replicated. It's simply not possible. And honestly, I think I think that he with Jury, the right it, it, Chris Jury's off to a poor start here as Rangers as, as GM this offseason. Like, look, getting Goudreau. great move. It was a good move. He helps the bottom. I, I do the was, contract's not hard, great.
1: The Luca, I I think you're. I don't think you're giving him enough credit for unloading the. You know, Nick. Um, I was just saying Nick Holden. I don't know why I'm losing my mind here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it.
0: That it's wasn't that new. It's not actually new. That did it. Ian. <laughs> Look,
2: I'm losing
1: my he's mind struggling on, 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 right now on, on, on former Rangers, but no, I, I, I don't think by by any stretch you can call call you know the one. You got to give it past Wednesday to to really. Do oh, it. I will. No, 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 no. I'm of honest. course, of but course, I'll do that. But I'll, I mean, I'll ex- you, when you we get to the like
2: Bucinevich it. trade, I'll explain why go he's ahead, struggling. Yeah, when when we get to the Bucinovich trade, I'll explain why that was completely wrong. But the Goudreau deal, the money, like I said, money's good. I'm not a fan of giving bottom six players. Mainly, Gaudreau's probably going to hang out in the fourth line, maybe the third line, depending how the season plays out. You don't give someone like that six years. Sure, he's young, but I I, I see a lot of risk in locking down depth players like that. You should ma- max it out at like four years at most. But the terms, term is fine. But the but the money the money is good. The money is good though, so I, I'm not completely against it, but. There, 6 years is a little much it's not the worst thing in the world but it's it's risky it's risky to ha- commit to players for a long time and that could apply that applies to anybody really it, 6 years is a so, long time
0: so the barkley goudreau deal in my opinion you look at you look at what he was able to do in 2015 16 when the Stan- when the, the stanley cup finalists sharks uh, they lost in 6 to pittsburgh uh, he's also won two cups with the Tampa Bay Light uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. What other New York Ranger on that squad has a Stanley Cup? Okay, there we go. Cricket, yeah, yeah. so, you, 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 you make a good put. Po- now good point, I make a good point, and the reason why is is because you have to look at this entire roster: Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, Artemi Panarin. You have to look at these at these leaders and these Stanley Cup guys that, that have been to the Cup Final, that have made it to the Cup. Um, that, those are the it, type
1: of players the Rangers have been missing for years.
0: Exactly. And really, they also were missing it when they went to the Cup Final in 2013-14 against the LA yeah. Kings and when they lost in five. That's that, that, that's the bottom line. They were missing that, and it's right, very right. it's very evident that they also need the grit keep in mind back in 2013 14 there were a lot of rumors and not even rumors but a lot of talk that the NHL was beginning to adapt into a more of a speed game now we're beginning to see where it begins to kind of shift a little bit where now the grit is beginning to come back and for for instance we remember back when Pittsburgh uh back in 2011 2012 when they were smoked uh by the New York Rangers okay uh, in the playoffs, in the first round, I believe that was when Mark Andre Fleury was—that um, was his, uh, you know, the, his last few years of stardom over in uh, in Pittsburgh. But uh, Pittsburgh was all about speed. The West Coast was all about being tough, fighting guys, grit, all of the above. Now we're beginning to see how to win. How do you win the Stanley Cup? You are beginning, beginning to see. The East Coast teams, they are realizing what they need to do is have some grit on that fourth and third line. We got to see it in Tampa. You have a solid top six, and then you have a solid bottom six. You also can see it with the New York Islanders as well. They roll all four lines, and that is how the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to win their previous two cups in Pittsburgh – well, think about it. Were they able to roll all four lines? No, I believe it was really the top three had the fourth on a little bit here and there. And the same thing goes for their defensive core. The top four were the ones to um, to be able to, to get rolled out by Mike Sullivan. Well, but the Tampa
1: at the hard way in 2014, Joey. That's exactly that's, where, that's really where it all started was because the Rangers were built on speed and had no physicality and that And
0: they, the I, Kings were able to roll all four yeah. lines. Yeah. That's what it was. They were able to go all four lines uh and I think that that's really where the NHL now is leading to again is that it's not all about this and we get to see it in Toronto. They are the perfect example because they do not roll all four lines and when they do, Jason Spezza has nobody on his wings. And when Mike Babcock had Matt Martin up there in Toronto and in the playoffs, he benched him. He benched him. He didn't play him at all. And you needed a little bit of grit to be able to, you know, win your first playoff round since 2004 or win or win anything since 1967. But that's besides the point. The point is, is that now the league is beginning to turn its little head around and eventually get back, uh, get back to grit. Uh, Anyone want to continue on this uh, with the Pavel Buchnevich deal? Yeah.
2: Yeah, sure. This is this is where I take issue with Chris Jury's start. The problem with this trade is Bucnevich was arguably the Rangers' best player down the stretch last season, and I think that moving him, while necessary, while potentially necessary to get Jack Eichel, wrong guy to mo- wrong player to trade to not to to not send to Buffalo. That was the wrong player to not send to Buffalo because that is a fair player to send back for Jack Eichel. The pro- when Chris. They Kreider- don't want him. They don't when want Chris- him. When Chris Kreider is sitting right there to be traded to clear up some cap space and you go with Pavel Buchnevich instead. He has no that's value a
1: value, DeLuca. DeLuca. Has-
2: Chris Kreider.
1: Has zero value, and the Rangers made the biggest. Well, what'd you get back?
2: You're, you're telling me you couldn't get that back for Chris Kreider. It's not like you have got anything. Look, you all back. have a no, no movement. Movement. He
0: has He's a no called. movement off, clause off, as well.
2: oft in, injured, oft injured,
1: very streaky when he score with 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 regards to his scoring output. So, if you Rangers are you,
0: stuck with that contract, contract for, the M- whole team. way.
1: Maybe Ronnie Francis wants to call about Chris Clatter. That would be the only team at this point that I would think On, want to call
0: about. It. But, that, but now,
2: but now my, my main point is the fact that the trade for Jack Eichel hasn't happened yet is more than concerning for the New York Rangers because the whole point of moving Bucinevich was to get this guy. No. So I, well, yes and no. It's fair, yes, but no.
1: no, yes but, and So no. It's, at this point, point it's like, but
2: what are, you going, what are you going to have to send to Buffalo now for Jack well, Eichel is the question. question because I my, feel like Bruce should would be a perfect asset.
1: My question with Buffalo now really more lies with how much leverage do you have now that you just sent two of your top, two of your three best players oh, gone are gone now. Ristolainen gone, Reinhardt gone. So exactly how much leverage um, do the Pagulas have in Buffalo right now with Jack Eichel when you know this team is not going to win and you know you're going to have That's an right.
2: unhappy elite player on your roster come October? Uh, uh, no, I agree with you there, Ian. But I will, I will say this: if the Rangers don't get someone to equate Buchnevich
0: like, uh, like a Jack Eichel, that trade's a, a bust. You, uh, they, no, it's not because again, exactly what I just said. Sammy Blay is a third and fourth line player. He is going to fit in nicely on the right wing alongside a, uh, 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 um, uh, excuse me, Barclay a, Goudreau, a, a, a Barkley go. Goudreau. Or excuse me a Barkley Goudreau or even if you throw money at a Phil Deneau. That is a phenomenal fourth line that you are building. And Sammy Blay also, he didn't get to see a lot of playing time because there are too many good players out in, in uh in uh in St. Louis. That's correct. But you don't you don't remove 20,
2: 25 goals this season to build bottom six depth. That's just not what you don't remove that kind of scoring without trying to Im- implant a replacement. So I really hope that for, for I mean, personally, I really don't as a devil's fan, but for Rangers fans sake, I really hope there's a plan in place from Chris jury. Um, I, I,
1: I can't imagine after trading Bucinavich that, that they're tr- not trying come Wednesday. I mean, I, there are people who still believe by October 13th, that Jack Eichel is going to be a Ranger, but yes, I think, I think something has to be in the works to answer for this Bucinavich move.
0: Yeah. There's no doubt about it, but also again, uh, both teams have to get to, or rather the Buffalo Sabres have a lot of cap space that they have to fill. They have to get uh, at the bare minimum of $16.65 million to the yeah. cap floor. Uh, so they've got a lot of work to do. And if they were to trade Jack Eichel at the bare minimum, they would be down at $26 million because his That's cap hit is $10 million. Um, Guys, let's keep on moving here uh, in the world of... Uh, in the world of hockey, just a couple of updates. The Sabres were selling off pieces, as you brought up, Ian Schreier. Uh, Rasmus Ristolainen was traded to Philadelphia. Sam Reinhart was traded to Florida. Um, and uh, we don't know where Eichel's going to land. We have no idea. But there is also some rumblings, too, uh, in the Boston area, as well as Nashville, that former – well, I, we we can say right now former – but. The previous captain of the Anaheim Ducks, Ryan Getzlaff, is getting some looks over in Boston, and I think that that would be a phenomenal get for Boston. Hundred percent. Yeah, Joey,
2: it would be. Uh, it would. It it would essentially cement the piece that they are. Their window is is kind of closing in Boston, and yeah. Getzlaf would kind of be a piece that could help make make. Help them make that one last push yeah, for the, for
1: that it's champion. Like Paul Stastny about going back to Winnipeg at this yeah, point. Exactly. No
0: and and actually there is also some chatter uh from our good friend Dave Panyota from the uh from the fourth period saying that there is some uh, mutual interest in a return uh for Paul Stasny heading back to play in Winnipeg. Uh, guys, let's keep on moving forward here. Uh, we also got to see Jake Voracek for Cam Atkinson, one for one, Columbus and Philadelphia. That is a big deal. Uh, the star right winger, Jake Voracek, was sent back to Columbus where his career started. Cam Atkinson, let's not forget, about a $2.75 million Less AAV for Philadelphia. This, in my opinion, was a phenomenal move. And also, in my opinion, too, insurance if Claude Giroux... We're not able to re-up in Philadelphia. That is some big news there. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of people are talking about that deal, but you really got to look into it, and you got to say to yourself, if Claude Giroux wants more than $8.25 million that he's making now, he's not getting in Philadelphia. Guys, it Major is- League yeah. Baseball, uh, the hot stove is beginning to heat up, as Ian Schreier has written down in here. The Tampa Bay Rays, they opened up the trade deadline, and they acquired Nelson Cruz. For the first time, I feel like, in my entire life, they actually went out to acquire a big-time name. And Trier, what does this do for the rest of the AL East? And not only that, but also uh, for the rest of the Major League Baseball in their defense to get – or at least as in their defense of World Series finalists.
1: Well, I'm not going to allow Rob here to grind his gears about the Yankees and whether or not they're still in play
0: for the – Oh, AL we're going to still talk about it. There's no, no, we're not, not going to do that. If you want
2: to keep this a kid's show, you will not let me do that.
0: <laughs> um,
1: I, I look it. It further lengthens the rays lineup i mean it's a lineup that's already been already able uh to hit just about one to nine and uh nelly cruz just get gi- just gives them more pop in the thick of that lineup the guy went deep in his first game in a tampa bay rays uniform no less um and this is a guy that i, I don't want to say a guy that they were missing in their run towards the world series last year because they you know we saw that the run that randy of Arena went on but nelly cruz does have um, that experience of playing in the World Series with the Texas Rangers um, back in 2011, 2012. And I think that that goes a long way in terms of experience. Um, I think the, the next piece for the Rays is, is, is just trying to stack up on a little more pitching. Um, that's, that's really the key. And I know they have, uh, they're one of those teams that has their eyes on Max Scherzer right now. So, uh, but this is a great move, uh, for, yeah. for, for, uh, for Tampa Bay. I mean, they, they, they have to find a way to keep competing with the Red Sox. Um, it's really them or, uh, you know, the, the Sox or the Rays division at this point point. Yep. and uh, the Rays just need to continue to find ways to, to, to score runs that the way they do, because, the Sox are just kind of keeping up with them just step for step in terms of uh you know plating runs and uh, we saw it this weekend with the Sox and we see it every night with the Rays so great move um down in uh, west florida for Tampa for sure it's yeah, really it's crazy, crazy right.
0: yeah it's really crazy deluca to see how Tampa Bay is 92 runs they have 92 92- uh, their run differential, rather, is plus 92. Uh, so that's pretty good. And yeah. they, and now you're
2: adding Nelson, Nelson Cruz. That's pheno- That's just phenomenal news with all on the sarcasm their, with all the sarcasm of sprinkled area. on top for the rest of the AL East. It is not a good time to be a Yankees fan. A Red Sox well for a Red Sox fan, you're still in first place. It's a good time, but it's not a good time to see that Nelson Cruz has gone to your biggest threat to the division title. So that and then you see Toronto, who was tr- who. Fighting to to stay in that playoff race to see that we still have to play Tampa Bay this amount of times, and now we have to see Nelson Cruz on top of a team that was already scoring many runs a game. Not a great, not a great thing for the AL East. An amazing, beautiful, almost perfect get for the Tampa Bay Rays. It might be exactly what they needed, and it's going to be a tight race between them and Boston down the stretch.
0: Yeah, and and just by looking also at some of their. Uh, team statistics here as well for the Tampa Bay Rays. They sit seventh in major league baseball and earned run average with a three, five, eight, their starters are a little, uh, are, are a little, well, their bullpen is uh, just so good. So oh, that's the bullpen. whole thing. Their starters, yeah, their, their starters, they need good. lots of help. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and they also shipped up rich Hill to the, uh, to the New York Mets, which, right. uh, you know, uh, again, you, you, y- you say to yourself that, um, you say to yourself, "Well, why? Why would you do that when you know you need some starter help? You need some whatever." But um, it's evident again what Ian was saying that they're chasing after Max Scherzer. They're chasing after these top tier pros, uh, these top tier pitchers, and they are going to be competing with the San Diego Padres for a lot of these big time players in their pursuit to the World Series again. I do have an answer for Tyler's comment, by the way, Uh, but, but please
1: go, but but please move on. Uh,
0: so, so I want to actually, and it's a perfect segue actually, because, um, with, with Tyler's comment, uh, the raise trading for Cruz for Nelson Cruz puts the rest of the AL East on notice that they are looking to be big time players I won't mention names but I mean, Brian the world, Cashman the World Series That's needs to wake up.
1: Who can I can I ask Tyler this question and, and please ref, you know feel free as Tyler's been doing all night to comment and we appreciate it between him and Brian um adding in their adding in their comments tonight as uh, for our show. We're going to um, get Brian's comment up there is, in a moment. Who is and and the same thing goes for Brian's comment as well. Who is um Brian Cashman trading? Who's he trading? Who has any value at this point, Aaron Judge? Who is, ta- who is taking on Stanton's contract? Nobody. Oh, nobody. Yeah, Stanton's I not mean, going anywhere. It's Aaron, Aaron Judge. Judge. I mean, and and who are you asking for a return? Like we're going to get to the Padres in a second. Let's talk about Eric Hosmer to the Yankees, basically as a casualty because they just traded for Adam Frazier. So who are you sending for Eric Hosmer? I don't even think the Yankees need Eric Hosmer. I mean, short right field porch. Great. That's what Luke Voigt was doing last year. Like it. it where do you
0: avoid is a you, righty Luke uh, Eric. No, I know but
1: who does, but who, do, who do you want the Yankees to trade? Who are they? Go, who, what contracts can they get off their books at this point? I don't want to get on a Yankee tangent for too long. And I can see Rob is just about ready to explode, but who, who what, what, what contract are you unloading at this point? If you're the Yankees, you're any? not unloading any, you're taking yeah. it on. You're going to take on, you're going to take on a big I, contract. I, I, don't, I don't agree with him here either. Like he's got all these prospects that they only want to ever use when people get hurt. Like Esteban Florial. like how much value does he have? He right doesn't now? have much. Davy Garcia. Garcia. How much value does he have right now? Like nobody has any value right now in that farm system. Nobody. No, it, it's I, mean, not... look, I mean, they shipped James Caprillion to Oakland. Look how well he's pitching right now for the A's. Like where, where, where do you want to get started? And on this great farm system that the Yankees supposedly have, I, uh,
0: let's get Brian's comment up there. Uh, you know, he, he he responds to Tyler, not Tyler, Cashman can stay sleeping and trade for Sherlock Holmes not have a clue regardless. I mean, that's really the truth. It really is the truth. And and Brian says, Rob, breathe, brother. There's there's there's, there's <laughs> no doubt about it. The games, and
1: we'll get to the Yankees we'll get to the Yankees in a second. Teams it,
2: four games over five hundred, nine, nine games back. what what? Who? Who are we gonna buy? That's gonna get them back into this division race. That's the right. real question I should be asking Tyler. Trevor, who Trevor I mean, <laughs> are the Yankees gonna buy that gets them back in the race? Because, I, I don't understand
1: how they're in the discussion for Trevor. Because here's right? the I, thing: I, it's unbelievable. But the,
2: the Yankee, the Yankees bullpen needs more than help, Tyler. The, the, the Yankees bullpen needs way more than help. They need a they need. They need church. They need prayers. They need. They need. A they full need Joey, put the other comment up. Put the most recent comment up there, because the i No, not that one. No, 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 the recent one.
0: Oh, the most recent. The, one. Most re- the fact that Cashman yeah, has this job me. is disgusting.
2: Yeah, I called for his firing ten years ago, Tyler, and no one, no, everyone thought I was crazy back then. And yet here we are, ten years later, and now apparently more people are finally starting to see the light.
0: So oh, I called for his firing following the <laughs> rather. <laughs> I just, I'm laughing at Tyler's comment. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I called for his firing once Giancarlo Stanton's deal was taken back. Tyler says, I would rather have a bag of used staples at shortstop than Glaber Torres. Well, well, you see, that's the thing. That's, that's not, that that's not actual- what you
2: guys were saying <laughs> after the uh, Aroldis Chapman trade, now were you?
0: Well, you see, that's the thing, though. is Because that- when we first got Torres, he played second base. We didn't have DJ LeMahieu. But the whole problem, though, is again, again, is is that you have to realize that giving up DD D. Gregorius now might have been a massive mistake. Yeah, giving, giving Joe Girardi his weapons, pretty
2: much, even though the, Philly, letting the, the that Phillies— letting Joe Girardi out anyway. the
1: door was the Yankees' biggest mistake. Let's, let's letting call, who pushing let's... who
2: out the door, Joe Girardi?
1: Yes, well, guess what.
2: Guess what he actually made his players accountable. Hey Joey, guess what? Or no, not Joey, Ian. I agree with you. I never wanted Joe Girardi fired. How, how do you fire someone who sends you one game from the World Series in a team that was supposed to be a rebuild and you fall one game short of the World Series and that's only because your opponent cheated? What are we supposed to do here? How do you how do you justify letting that man
0: go? It's not an ideal situation whatsoever um for for the New York Yankees where they are. Um, but before we get to um really anything else with the New York Yankees, I, I don't wanna dive into this deal of uh Domingo Herman really doing Fantastic. He he, did. Hell, he he took a no hitter yesterday into the eighth inning. Rob DeLuca said, we're not getting into this
2: game. Move on. We are Um, not getting into that game. We are not (laughs) talking about that game. We're never going to talk about it. It's never going to exist. It never happened. It's gone. It died. It's
0: goodbye. The San Diego Padres are going all in and they are going for it all. They acquired Adam Frazier from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, there's also a lot of talk saying that they are pursuing Max Scherzer. Uh, we now know that the Los Angeles Dodgers most likely are not getting—they're um, not getting Trevor Bauer back. And it seems to me, also uh, from many rumors and for many people uh, around Major League Baseball, that Trevor Bauer will not be returning. Not only not be returning, but his teammates do not want him back. That's number one. I, I, to answer the next question is that where does San Diego stand in the National League West when now they are not chasing the, – well, they are chasing Los Angeles. But keep in the mind, they're also chasing the San Francisco Giants. Ian Schreier, I want to start with you.
1: I mean, this goes back to what I was saying about Hosmer potentially being dealt to the Yankees. I mean, they now have an, a, a, an infield full of all-stars. I mean, you go around the horn, you've got – Cronenworth is going to play now full-time at first. Frazier at second. Tatis at short. And Machado at third. Um, this is a team that hasn't had an issue. Well, he- here's the thing for the San Diego Padres. This is a team that hasn't had an issue scoring runs all year, yet they're still – I believe it's, what, four games out of first in the West? I mean, somehow the San Francisco Giants have found the fountain of youth. And the Dodgers are just the Dodgers. I mean, look, I, I know Trevor Bauer's not coming back, but this team is still loaded offensively. You still have – Guys like Walker Buehler headlining your rotation to a point where you don't really need to worry too much about Trevor Bauer. His numbers haven't been anything startling as compared to his Cy Young uh, year last year in Cincinnati. Um, you know, it, it just it, it show what this move does for the San Diego Padres. This is a two-year window for the Padres right now, and I believe in the, in uh, during spring training they had mentioned uh, they had they had listed like the probable World Series matchups. I believe it was for the next ten years. Um, and I believe next year it was supposed to be the San Diego Padres against the Chicago White Sox based on <clears throat> the elevation you know the the track of where the teams have had are, are really sitting and you can see the White Sox and the Padres based on how they have built their teams kind of heading on into a World Series matchup at some point Um, but that but to me this is a two-year window now Um, yeah Brian absolutely they're they're a straight fun fun team they, they score runs at will I mean they're they're a team that's Built from the top down, um, AJ Preller is, is is ready to make a run at a championship, and it's un, and understandably why. I mean, I, I don't think they're thrilled with the production they're getting out of Will Myers. Um, right now, I think he's an expendable piece, and so is Eric Hosmer, as you could see from the Frazier trade and uh, moving Cronworth over to first. But remember, they're also getting Mike Clevenger back next year, so now you're going to have a rotation that if you try to add Scherzer to that, so now look at you've got a team, you've got a rotation built of Scherzer if he gets acquired by San Diego. Scherzer, um, Paddock, Darvish, Snell, and and Musgrove, and then you add Clevenger that next year and push Paddock out the door. I mean, that's you've got. Well, that's actually what I was
0: going to ask you, Ian. How about how well, about how about your no, guy Chris no, no, Paddock? No, no, Where does no, he no, fit no. into this equation? He's
1: still a number five starter at best, but obviously when Clevenger comes back, he'll he'll get pushed out of the rotation. Um, and then he'll the, be the number three starter next, next year. Don't you then, worry. Then news broke at like ten o'clock last night, except nobody validated it was that supposedly Craig Kimbrel was coming back to San Diego. So this this team is far from done. This is a team I, – I don't know if I see them in the World Series this year, but uh, I'm sure this, this is a move that's going to elevate them because Frazier still has control, still has a year left of control to elevate them towards maybe a World Series in 2022.
0: That's tough. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you this. That is tough. I don't know
1: if I see it this year. I it's just, real tough. I mean, I, I, I mean, this is a team that this is a team that should be head to head with the Dodgers right now for the Nos, and they're not there right now. They're just well,
2: not they're there. not there yet, but because you also have to ask the question: When are the San Francisco Giants gonna die off? Are they gonna die off? That's that's just a question you have to ask because nobody, and I will literally take oh. say nobody. There's nobody out there. Oh,
1: hold on, guys. We might have breaking news here i love um, it hold on i just want to verify here um there was a tweet that just went out that said the dodgers acquired max scherzer but i'm actually going on twitter right now to try to confirm that this is true
0: i don't think that's the case no no way. no I'm way there's no shot lead, but uh, just just keep in the mind, mind ladies and gentlemen keep in mind that tis the season for fake Accounts that Ian might have just gotten. No, 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 no,
1: no, no. There, 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 that actually had a little. Actually, was a legitimate account, but it wasn't from like John Heyman or Jeff Passan, but uh Jeff Passan. But um there is actually 27 minutes ago, though, a uh, report from John Heyman saying that the Yankees have made a trade off yep, Was just to was start, just gonna to come start here start to. See,
2: well, yep. I was ju- just about to say that. Yeah, yeah. No, no evidence. T- of any no traction. traction there at but, this
1: point, Rockies haven't definitively decided to trade him, though it would seem there's a good chance they do. So the Yankees have made a trade offer. For, well, now uh,
2: I wonder what on earth that trade offer could be because w- what, what's buying him going to do? What, what's buying him going to solve? Yeah. It's going to solve our shortstop problem, but the Yankees have way more problems than that.
1: So well, according to the San Diego Padres, they want to, they want to acquire him and put him in center field. So <laughs> you got me there.
0: Well, you could do that, especially when you are so loaded. Um, over there, and let's not forget, uh, Ian Desmond went from shortstop to center field out in Colorado. So listen, it very well can happen uh, if Trevor Story were to uh, were to to do that uh, and eventually go to uh, San Diego. Doubtful that happens, but you never know. Uh, that could be some big news brewing for the San Diego Padres, uh, guys. The Mets address uh, necessary back end starters with Rich Hill uh his first start went okay more pitching help though is needed ian try i want to start with you you're the mets fan here um yeah he pitched uh he pitched five strong innings um
1: on uh sun on sunday against the um uh, yesterday against the cincinnati reds uh he was scheduled to pitch saturday for the rays got traded and came over to the mets and the mets who are just in dire need of any pitching help whatsoever um uh, went out and got rich hill didn't trade too much for him traded a uh um, a catching prospect outside their top 30 and a, a pitcher in Tommy Hunter who is out for the season. So uh, credit to uh, Zach Scott and Sandy Alderson for making a move for a guy that has experience uh, for a guy. I mean, I, I know I'm going to pitch the long Island part here and say, Hey, a former long Island duck comes home. But um, uh, this is a, this was a, this was a nice move for the Mets. a much needed move because this is a team that is just patchwork right now in their rotation um, until deGron comes back until Carrasco comes back until Syndergaard comes back. And we can go right on down the list. So, uh, this was a nice move. He pitched five strong innings, helped the Mets to uh, a win yesterday at home over the excuse, me, I said in Cincinnati, I meant to say at home yesterday over the Blue Jays. So, the nice, nice win for uh, a nice starting result, a nice first result for uh, Rich Hill for the Mets. And
0: something else, too, what the New York Mets, uh, even though that DeGrom's earned run average is, I think, less than one or a tiny bit over one. I think it's one. just
1: now a shade over one. It's like one. So, minus two or something yeah, so like it's that.
0: a shade over one. Uh, They still rank fifth in major league baseball and earned run average. And a lot of it obviously has to do with him. 3.52 earned run average in 97 games played. As we said, that's its fifth just behind the Padres Brewers, Giants and Dodgers. So um, the Mets are another team that really should be uh, really put under the microscope heading into trade deadline Friday. Uh, That's going to be tons of fun as well because there's a lot of chatter that the Mets could be trading for Chris Bryant. There's some chatter that Craig Kimbrell could be on the move. We don't know where, but in addition to free agent frenzy on Thursday, also trade deadline Friday for Major League Baseball is going to be, as Brian Morales says, straight fire. Good things coming up for Major League Baseball, guys. Let's keep on moving here. Uh, We got to see also what – the Seattle Mariners. Uh, apparently, he is, uh, or not he. They are in pursuit of outfielder Whit Merrifield. Uh, he also plays second base as well, uh, and he's in control until 2023. And it makes it, it makes me wonder what the Kansas City Royals would be doing if they didn't hang up the phone. Uh, there's no reason why they should be. They should even be taking any offers. Why else did they did they acquire Andrew Benintendi then? Don't you want to build around a few guys?
2: Allegedly. Uh,
1: I, 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 When I read that and put that on the list to discuss tonight, um, I, I really couldn't believe it because the Mariners are not a win-now team. Um, I know, I believe Kyle Seager, they're, they're long-tenured third baseman. I believe his contract is up at the end of the year. Um, no. and, may, and maybe they need a guy to come in and play third base, though Whit Merrifield's primary position yeah. is either second base or the outfield. Um, maybe that's the reason behind it. I, I I don't understand why the Mariners of all teams, I mean, are they looking to be active um in the offseason and and try to make a run at a very, very weak AL West outside the Houston Astros. Um I, I think there's 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 a lot of question marks as to why the Royals would yeah to unload with Merrifield. I'm 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 not really holding anything to the fire on this just yet. Um I right. think the Mets have actually inquired about Whit Merrifield. Um, but I think that's a that's a player if the Mets wanted to acquire, I think they should look to acquire um, when he hits the on you know the free agent market in a couple of years. Um that would make the most sense for the Mets. Um, I think right now you know, guys who what we're learning more than ever on the hot stove now is that guys with years of control left costs more. I mean, guys, it costs more prospects, it costs higher tier prospects. These teams do not want to give up guys that they're paying next to nothing for big contracts. So you're going to have to unload more from your farm to get players like this. So it it, it makes no sense for the Mariners whatsoever. Um, I again, I, I I'd be shocked to see this trade go through. I'm not I'm not holding anything to the fire with what Merrifield to the Mariners just yet. Yeah, I don't even though the rum even
0: though the rumblings are there.
1: I can't. I, believe I think that that's
0: just some that's just some you know some some hot people like to throw, kind of people
2: of like, to throw like to throw sticks in the fire keep it burning. But I mean, not yeah, yeah, I don't. Guys I like don't John Heyman and uh, mm-hmm. you know. No, I, I get, I get their come. I, I, I get that. Um, I, it's. It I think that would be no, foolish.
1: No, no sense.
2: That would be you, foolish. I, for I have question. I have the team, question I mean. of why to both teams. To both teams, I have the same question. Why. Why are the Royals trying to move them? Why are the Mariners trying? I to I don't pick think they're him
0: trying up? to move them at all. I think that's see. I think I th- the way it sounds to me, Seattle picked up the phone and said, "Hey, is Whit Merrifield available?" And then they right. probably. Yeah. How is there not the reports
2: home? of the G- of the Royals GM laughing and hanging up? Why are there no reports of that? Because if I if I was the Royals GM, I'd laugh and hang up. Because there's probably nothing to
0: discuss further. That's the biggest thing, too. There's really not much As soon as I heard,
2: I I don't even know if I'd take the time to laugh. As soon
0: as I heard Whit Merrifield, I'd hang up the phone. I I, I,
2: I wouldn't even give it the time of day.
0: Brutal stuff, guys. But, ladies and gentlemen, it is 8.03 here on the East Coast. Alongside my guys, Ian Schreier, Rob DeLuca, I'm Joey Drazinka. Cannot thank you all enough for joining us here On this Monday evening, July 26th, Uh, it's a great day or a great night rather to be on our show because we will be welcoming in about 26 minutes, we will be welcoming a guest that will put the cap on our Week number two of previewing the 2021 NFL season. Justin Mello, host of the podcast, the Music City Audible for for Broadway Sports. He also writes for the Tennessee Titans for the aforementioned Broadway Sports and Music City Miracles. And also covers the NFL Draft for Draft Network, the Draft Network. So uh, we've got a great guest on board with us. And that's actually going to lead us into our little talk of the AFC South guys last or rather two weeks ago, we got to discuss the NFC North with, uh, the athletics, Matt Schneidman, who covers the green Bay Packers. Really good to have him on. And today we're going to continue our slew of guests, uh, here tonight. As we discuss the AFC South, uh, let's start off with this fellas, uh, a little preview here with the Indianapolis Colts Ian Schreier, I want to start with you here. Um, uh, Because you're a Giants fan, you're no longer will be seeing uh, Carson Wentz. Obviously, he didn't really do much anyway to the New York Giants uh, in his short stint here in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Uh, So what do you see about the Indianapolis Colts this year? Are they looking to go back to the promised land? And can they get back there with him at the helm?
1: It's tough. I mean, a lot is depending on whether or not that chemistry is there between uh, Carson Wentz and his former offensive coordinator in Philadelphia, now the head coach of the Colts and Frank Reich. Um, if they can find a way, sure. I mean, I think it, it, it's a, if, if, they can, if Carson Wentz can find that old magic, I think it's a two-team race in the AFC South. Um, if not, I think it's the Titans division to lose going away. Um, I think we've seen the issues of Carson Wentz the last couple of years. I think Joey can elaborate on them. Tenfold. Um, You know, the issues that we've seen with Carson Wentz the last couple of years, he's not consistent. Um, I I know last year the Eagles didn't have much of an offensive line, so I think that really played a a big factor into it. I think the talent is still there. The question is, is can Frank Reich um, reuniting with his former offensive coordinator in Philadelphia be the difference maker and turn the Colts back into a Super Bowl contender? I'm not so sure yet. I think we're going to have to see it more on the field the first few weeks and judge from there.
0: I'm going to throw this one out there. And uh, I think the Indianapolis Colts, this is their division to lose. Um, wow, and I want wow, to say, entirely. and there's, there's no <laughs> doubt. I really believe that that is the case. Um, I think that Carson Wentz going back to his offensive coordinator and Frank Reich, Uh, this will not only rejuvenate his career, but also being behind one of the league's best offensive lines will not only help his redevelopment, But that same exact system, with a couple of tweaks for Carson Wentz, will be put back into place, and we will be seeing a lot of what we saw in Philadelphia in 2017 prior to Carson Wentz blowing out his ACL against the Los Angeles Rams back in Week 16 uh, in the LA Coliseum. I really do believe that that is the case. I'm not. I'm not going to lie to you. And and even though that, um, you know. There's there's the 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 defensive side of the football for uh, for the Colts is just continuing to get better. We remember a couple of years ago uh, when when Chuck Pagano was the head coach and prior to him getting cancer, um, he was really leading the charge on one of the worst defensive uh, defensive teams in the entire NFL, like historically bad and I think now that we are beginning to see um, this Colts team take a, a turn, I really do believe that with everybody led by Darius Leonard in the middle um, as a linebacker, it's only going to move up. And it's I don't think that if they were to move downward in the standings or even move downward in in their development towards getting back to where they were with Andrew Luck, I think that that would be an epic failure, but I don't see that happening. I really do believe that as Brian Morales said, wow, bold, Joey, seriously, I do believe that this is their division to lose.
1: I think, look, I think the, the offense has, has a lot of bright spots. I think you you have that three headed monster in the backfield with Jonathan Taylor and uh, Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines and, um, you've got uh, T.Y. Hilton still as your your wide receiver one. And he's always a threat to, to, uh, to break a big break off a big play. You've got Michael Pittman as your number two. Um, Jack Doyle has really turned into a nice tight end piece. Um, so I think offensively, I think Wentz has the pieces to succeed. I still have some questions on the, on the line on the offensive line. Aside from Quentin Nelson, I think you're asking a lot from Eric Fisher to hold down that left tackle role coming off a serious serious injury. Um, on the defensive side of the bowl, you have to ask for a repeat of last year. Um, and I think that's a lot to ask for. You're putting a lot of stake into Quitty Pay, their first-round pick out of the University of Michigan, panning out right away. Um, you do have a guy who can, like DeForest Buckner, a veteran player, um, who can really um, be very abrupt um, and really make a, make a lot happen on the interior. Uh, but I think for the Colts, a, lo- a lot has to do um, with them defensively as well as uh, just um, with regards to the uh, what happens with Carson Wentz. I mean, it all falls back, Joey, to, to Carson, but I think that there, there's some questions on the defensive side of the ball too, and that's why I'm not so willing to put the Colts out there as the AFC South champion. So
0: first, I just want to say that it looks as if that DeLuca's Wi-Fi uh, has just gone down. So it's going to be you and I uh, holding down the fort, Ian, just for a few moments Uh, But from what back soon? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we we get him back soon. But what I can tell you, though, is, is that um, looking at what this offensive line is all about, um, Ryan Kelly, Quinton Nelson and heck, even Eric Fisher, uh, he was a cap casualty in Kansas City. You've got him out there. Uh, unfortunately Costanzo uh is no Anthony longer Costanzo, right? yes. is is no longer there as well so you know y- you've got a decent a decent core uh over in Indianapolis on that on that offensive line even think about the defensive line as well you've got deforest Buckner yeah uh, he is going to be uh, leading the charge. Grover Stewart, who had a phenomenal year last year, is going to be back playing alongside Buckner in that 4-3 scheme. We brought up Darius Leonard earlier. And even though also that Xavier Rhodes uh, did not have a great year last year in uh, in Minnesota, he looks to revamp his career on a pretty porous uh Secondary in, in Indianapolis. Look for him to do well. Rock Yassin also he missed time with COVID last year. Uh he was a big piece to that uh to that secondary, as well as Kenny Moore. We have to give that as well. Uh Kenny Moore was a breakout candidate last year, uh in in Indianapolis. He did phenomenally. Uh expect good things, I again, I think, for um for Indianapolis. But we'll see what happens. It's it's gonna be tons of fun um this upcoming year and uh let's keep on moving forward here unfortunately we do not have rob deluca just yet uh hopefully we will get him back uh sooner rather than later Ian, i want to keep on moving here and go to the houston texans because really the afc south aside from the indianapolis colts and the uh and the tennessee titans again we're gonna have justin mellow on later uh, in in our show about 15 minutes from now, it's very evident that there is really no direction for Houston, uh, and Deshaun Watson might not be uh, the the answer later on uh, for this uh, for this Texans team. We say that because he has requested a trade officially, and they are going to be uh, listening to offers on on the uh, on on Deshaun Watson, and there is really not much to look forward to. For this Texans team, you know what you can ask for, Deshaun
1: Watson. The problem is, what is a team going to pony up with him? With the with the baggage against him right now is, yeah. is number one. Um, and, and we see this year in and year out. Um, I mean, right now, I think even with Deshaun Watson, I have the Texans as a last place team in the AFC South. I actually have the Jacksonville Jaguars slightly ahead of them, um, if not maybe dead even. Um, just because I think the Jaguars are are going to be even with a rookie quarterback um excuse me a more competitive team um when you look at the roster for the Texans top to bottom I mean th- there's just so many holes so many question marks I mean this is a team in my opinion that is going to be fighting for the number one draft pick um come next uh, April uh look I you know I think David Johnson showed spurts of his, his old self last year Brandon Cooks is on the downside of his career at this point Um, that, you know, that's two, two pieces right there. I mean, granted, you're asking a lot out of 30 some odd year old Randall Cobb at this point to be a number two receiver in Houston, whether that be Deshaun Watson or not. And then if Watson bails, your starting quarterback now, all of a sudden becomes Tyrod. Um, I've got questions there. Um, the best player on your defense right now, if you're Houston is Vernon Hargreaves, who has not panned out yet as a first round draft pick at all when Tampa Bay drafted him. I'm out of college. So um, I th- this is a team that's going to give up a lot of points. I'm not even sure if, if even with Deshaun Watson under center, um, if this team, even with uh, Laramie Townsville, still anchoring that offensive line, um, will even have enough to even be able to outscore uh, teams, if, even if they can with the players um, available to him. Um, I think the Texans um, are in full-on rebuild mode. They are number one draft pick aiming mode. Um, last place at this point, maybe... They're they're dead even with the Jaguars for a tie for third place, but right now, last place.
0: Well, I'm going to tell you this: I honestly believe that the Texans will be worse than the Jaguars. I think that there's yeah, some upside I, I upside that's, that's, with with yeah. uh, with Urban Meyer. There's there's a lot of upside with you know Tim Tebow. Uh, you know he was signed there as a as a tight end. Obviously, there's nothing <laughs> to come from that. Um, but you know, listen, I'm going to tell you this much. What I will tell you though is is that I really do believe that, and I wish we had. Um, We had Cecil Shorts with us here, uh, former NFL wide receiver who actually played with uh, with the Texans. We'll have him on uh, at some point down the road. But uh, looking at the cap numbers, as everyone knows that, I love the I love looking at the cap numbers. uh, Deshaun Watson this year is making fifteen point nine four million dollars next year. The uh, the cap elevates all the way to forty point four million dollars for him individually. Uh, not really much to discuss there because the Texans are not spending any money you look at everybody else next year there is no path um there's really no path for Houston whatsoever and you look at their wide receivers they they made plays last year for Brandon Cooks they made a they 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 signed Randall Cobb to a big money deal they signed Andre Roberts uh they you know
1: it, it I made, think the best no, wide receiver in that room right now, uh, JJ, is Kiki Kuti. Yeah, uh, as, as their third wide receiver option at this point. I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from Brandon Cooks, but I, I mean, both him and Cobb are on the downside of their careers. I mean, Kuti became a a nice piece for Deshaun Watson the last couple of years. So, I mean, I if anybody is who to look forward to, um, yeah. I mean, look, Brian. I mean, the only reason I I put them level maybe with the Jaguars is if Deshaun Watson is still there. Um, I think Deshaun Watson can at least deliver them a couple of wins. I'm not expecting 0-17, but, uh, I mean, 0-17 might be on the table if Tyra Taylor's their starting quarterback. But I think, you know, I think the, you know, if the, if Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, excuse me, is the starting quarterback for the Texans come September, um, then, yeah, I mean, maybe they're a 4-5 or five win team, and, I, and I'm probably pushing it by saying 4-5 or five wins um, because I think that's where I see the Jags kind of because I think they're just going to struggle – with a rookie quarterback, he's going to have his growing pains. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're going, if, if Deshaun gets traded, yeah, they're they're probably two wins or less, uh, to, to Joey's point and to yours. But I think uh, Deshaun, if he's still there, probably guarantees them two, maybe three wins.
0: Yeah, it, it's really, it, it's. I find it crazy because, again, you look at what this Houston Texans team has, and just by looking at some of the names that they've got, Uh, They actually have decent names here. That really is unfortunate that, you know, you can't have these six guys on a 53-man roster, uh, you know, lead the way because this team really, again, some of their players are decent. Former center for the Seattle Seahawks, Justin Britt, uh, who was a vital part to Seattle uh, making the playoffs the last few years. Uh, He's down there in, uh, in Houston. You've got Marcus Cannon, who is a mainstay on the right tackle in New England. He's down there in Houston. Laramie Tunsil, we know about the trade uh, between the Dolphins and the Texans. Uh, Tunsil is no longer uh, is no longer obviously in Miami. He's down in Houston. That's the you know pretty good protection for Deshaun Watson. Um, but again, the whole the whole part of the running backs room, it, which really has not been a problem for this uh, for this team. You look at Mark Ingram, who signed a deal there. Philip Lindsay is also there, as well as David Johnson. And, 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 even, Rex and even Rex Burkhead, exactly. Yeah,
1: so, that, that's actually quite interesting, considering how bad the Texans are probably going to be. But.
0: And, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but they've got a four-headed monster down in uh, in their running back room. They really do, because that those four, back in their heyday... That would destroy everybody. That that is a Pro Bowl running yeah. back locker room that they that that uh, that they had, or have rather. It's really crazy stuff. Rob Deluca, you're back from uh, from 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 some Wi-Fi issues. Let's hear your thoughts on the Houston Texans this year.
2: Yeah, let's ho- let let's hope to God that I fixed it. I really I really do. I mean, we noticed two weeks ago I was having those issues, so hopefully, is whatever I tried worked. So, uh, but it already looked like I had a glitch since I've returned. So clearly didn't work. But the Houston Texans. Um, let's think about this. Bad, 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 bad. They're not going to be good. The it'll be even worse if Deshaun Watson is gone. But as Ian said, Deshaun Watson can get them a couple of wins, probably to put them on par with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But with everything going on with Deshaun Watson right now unless he gets his name cleared, he's not going to have any trade value value, even though he wants out of Houston, he needs to get his name cleared to have any shot at a trade right now. So that that's going to We'll sit on that, wait and see. But otherwise, obviously Deshaun Watson is still a good quarterback. He could still, he could still produce at a high rate, at a high rate in the NFL. There's no question about that. He's young. He's good. He, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but he doesn't want to be in Houston, so I. That leaves a question of how how hard is he really gonna try in Houston? Because he know he knows how good how good he is. The league knows how good he is. So if he's able to get his name cleared, he'll be gone
0: really quickly. Houston and, has uh, Houston has a tough road ahead of them. They, they do.
2: start. They're, it's a long one.
0: Yeah, and and they and they start with Jacksonville, uh, hosting Jacksonville in Houston. But they got to take advantage
2: of that one out of the gate. Then they there's, go to no Cleveland.
0: Questions. Then they go to Cleveland. They're probably going to get walloped there. They come back Thursday night, week three, and host Carolina. Then they go up to Buffalo. Uh, that's going to be another one. Then they welcome in New England, who, again, in my opinion, we'll talk about the AFC East in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's evident that New England is on the uprise with those two brand new tight ends that uh, that is going to be uh, showing off this year. Bill, Bel- uh, Bill Belichick will be showing them off. Ah, uh, week six they go to Indianapolis. Week seven they're in Arizona. Uh, week eight they host the LA Rams. Uh, just by looking at this, this is maybe a winner too. I like I like That's Brian's bold. Pred- I, mean, I like I mean,
2: Brian's bold prediction. Start. I mean, this is. I
0: love bad. I love Brian's bold prediction to start to start to open the year there. It's real bold. I love Houston it. Houston and Jacksonville tie to open the year. Well, I mean, listen, it's very possible, very possible that it can happen. There could oh, be, oh, yeah, it, no, yeah, it's gonna be a fit. It's gonna
2: be a 49-49 tie disaster. Lawrence, t- Lawrence, you're, you're, you're and you're Watson being, throw seven
1: touchdowns each. There, Rob, on the offensive output from the from the Texans and maybe the Jets too. But.
0: Well, I'll tell you this: I think that Week Twelve it's gonna be a dogfight between the New York Jets and the Houston Texans. Brian, oh, Morales, what is your take on the New York <laughs> Jets playing the Houston Texans down in Houston? Who gets the win, or is that the second tie? of the season we expect don't, your please, answer please
1: don't get him started
0: please. exactly the j-e-t-s jets jets exactly yes. well i mean listen week 12 that is that is that is that is that is thanksgiving yeah he says Shh, oh, joey there you go well i can't i can't blame him because again just by looking at the remainder of the schedule there really are there's no other wins except jacksonville maybe and a and maybe Arizona. that's and that and that then that's tough. I think Arizona is definitely on the uphill, even though Chandler Jones requested to trade this uh, actually today., uh, but let's keep moving on here, guys. eight twenty two. we've got about uh we've got about eight more minutes before our guest arrives, and that will leave us just enough time to preview the Jacksonville Jaguar season, which uh, is pretty much a solid eight second preview because it's a disaster or an eight minute preview because. They are going to be a disaster. Uh Ian Trier, let's uh let's start with you here with the uh the Jacksonville Jaguars. Where do we even start with them?
1: Um I, I don't want to call the Jacksonville Jaguars a disaster. Um look, I'm I'm not thrilled with the way they drafted uh by any stretch outside T Law. I mean they did not need a running back and they went out there and signed Travis um, signed drafted uh Travis Etienne to to pair him with his college quarterback, which again made no sense to me. I mean you have a, an undrafted free agent last year in James Robinson, who really broke out in that running back room for Jacksonville last year and is now listed as a number two back, uh, but behind Etienne, I, I guess it may, I mean, look, I'm not trying to say put, put all your stake in urban Meyer to, to, to wow the world and, you know, become a successful NFL coach year one, but, um, you have to like what's in that room offensively. Uh, I mean, you have to like DJ Chark coming back after a real strong year last year. Um, the um, again james the aforementioned james robinson i mean it's all on the development of t law at this point for um for the jacksonville jaguars there's a lot of good stories there right now aside from urban coaching and lawrence at qb and even tebow at tight end um in training camp um i think for for the jaguars they're the third best team in that division um i think they're going to be competitive they were competitive last year let's not let's not factor that in i mean if you want to compare them and stand them up against a team like the Titans. I think that's an unfair judgment just because the Titans are just that much better on, on paper than the Jaguars are. I think the Jags can compete with the Colts. Maybe um, I'm not saying for second place, but I think on the field, come the two times they play this season, I think those games will be a little bit closer than uh, people might think they will be uh, just based on the two teams that'll be on the field. Uh, but I, th- look, I don't think the Jaguars are a, are a dumpster fire by any stretch. I think they're going to be competitive. I think they're going to be fun to watch. Um, Urban Meyer always gets the guys to play um that granted that was a college and we've seen a lot of college coaches not have their philosophies transition to the pro game but i think they're going to be interesting they're going to be a fun team to watch and i'm excited to watch the jacks this year they were competitive last year i expect them to be competitive
2: again
0: they were also able to get andrew norwell um yeah two years ago yeah two years ago yeah and now he's going to be playing a vital role uh with uh with 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 uh
1: that was a coughlin signing yeah
0: yeah and 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 really with trevor lawrence um, to see what really can go down over there. I think that Trevor Lawrence is able to come into a, uh, a decent, a decent room. Uh, and he's also got some, I would say even decent offensive linemen in front of him as well. Uh, St. And, and really it, it also goes for James Robinson as well. Um, who last year had a phenomenal year. Keep that in mind. He had a great year, um, It's going to be
1: this real quick just on just because we're on Jacksonville. Sure. Um what I love so much, and and I'm saying this facetiously, is that how Jalen Ramsey said how much that team hated Tom Coughlin in the role that he was in. (laughs) And meanwhile, um, who was the president of football operations the year they went to the AFC championship game? Yeah,
2: gee, I wonder. Ian, it beats me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Joey. I just wanted to just to to elaborate on that point, just because of Jalen Ramsey and the type of talent that he is and and the mouth that he is the to, to say. Oh, that big
2: big old mouth. Yeah. The only time to- the only time you won, bro.
0: The <laughs> only time say, you literally, won. Literally the only thing, the only thing that uh can be said with Jalen Ramsey. It's simply it's really, it's just it's not not ideal with him, not ideal with uh with them. Uh guys, I want to keep moving forward here. Uh with and, and actually just before we keep going here i want to just bring up brian morales's comment urban and tebow like lamb and tuna fish maybe spaghetti meatballs i digress
1: very very nice big daddy reference though i like that though. that's pretty good good. good. that is
0: that is pretty good uh guys chandler jones today uh he was he requested a trade out of arizona why is he requesting a trade out of arizona ian schreier do you maybe have a thought of why chandler jones would Be requesting a trade out of Arizona.
1: I'm not sure. I mean, I know he's coming off an, in, an injury plague season, but uh, I'll tell you a team that should be calling. They play in East Rutherford, New Jersey, and they wear the color blue. Um, that's a team that's in dire, dire need of of uh, password. Um, they, they're gonna have it, a, yeah, for the right play. price,
2: I'll do it. I'll, for I mean, the right price, I'll I mean, do it.
1: Look, look, they've got they've got two first round picks. I'm not saying that they should give up one of them, but I think it's it. it I think a first, you know, having those two first round picks on the table and next it's year's helpful. Draft, it's 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 entertaining. Uh but the thing is they're gonna have to clear a little bit of cap room too. I mean they're 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 up there pretty tight. I think they're they yeah, four million under. So I am not sure who would go back to Arizona in that deal. It'd be t- so it'd be tough to see. So that's
2: that, why I don't know if we can pull yeah, it off, that, but
1: that's something that it's, Joe Judge and uh, and Dave Gettleman and they should at call.
2: least discuss it. I don't see it overall happening, but they should at least be discussing it. And no, as long as that they're it, it's all Joey. that matters.
0: Sticking to Arizona though. Yeah. Rob DeLuca, do you have any possible thought process of why Chandler Jones would want out of, Honestly, of Arizona, no. especially when they are on the uphill? Yeah, no, that's what's, that's what's interesting to me. It makes me really
2: wonder what could possibly lead Chandler Jones to want to leave because there's no doubt Arizona's going in the correct direction towards winning, towards Playoff runs towards deep playoff runs. So maybe he didn't
1: like the J.J. Watt signing. I yeah, I I, don't know. I, I, I mean, mean, can't I mean, imagine
2: why it only makes your team better unless you personally don't like J.J. Watt. I don't know how you know, Any, I don't know game, how but... anyone could not like that man. But it. it but yeah, I'm a little mind boggled as to why that that he wants out right now. Maybe it's got to. To me, it's got to be something internal that nobody knows about. But. Uh, you can't speculate on that either, because then that leads to bad things. So I, it's it's confusing overall.
0: Do we see Chandler Jones making more than the round or approximate twenty one million that he's making this upcoming year, which by the way is a contract year? Do we see him making more on the open market next year?
1: It, that really depends on his performance. It does. Year, I mean, because this, he's look,
0: he's he's kind of thirty.
1: Question on by on your own there, Joey. I mean that. That really depends on his output this year. Um, he's an All Pro defensive. He's he an is. All egg he, he's I mean, there's, there's no now. denying that. I mean, it's just it's just a matter of can he bounce back from a a season where he lost almost the whole year to injury. Um, yeah. I think I think everybody feel. I think a lot of people feel yeah. on the whole that he can and he will. But uh, I mean, he if he does, I mean, he's going to get all that and then some.
0: Yeah. Back in 2019, uh, he played 15 games and he played 89% of the snaps. Had 19 sacks. He was just a few shy away from Michael Strahan's single-season yeah. record. Yeah. Uh, 53 tackles, 41 of those solo, uh, and he also had uh, eight forced fumbles. That was a uh, that was uh, tops in the NFL as well. Uh, This to me is really a one giant question mark. I don't understand why we're seeing that. I don't understand why Chandler Jones would want out, especially when, uh, again, as we brought up, Arizona is simply on the upswing. It does not make any sense. Uh, So uh, again, there really is no further explanation for this. Um, there's, and again, just the year prior, he did pretty much the same exact thing. He didn't have as many sacks. Uh, he did have 13, 49 tackles. Um, again, he played five games last year before getting hurt, had one sack, 11 tackles. And when you look last year at what Chandler Jones was doing, or rather what the Arizona Cardinals were doing they were right in the hunt over there until they completely fell off the face of the earth uh, down the stretch. Not a good look uh, for the rest of the Arizona Cardinals and really for the, for the league as well. Uh, Guys, let's do a little sports update prior to our guest coming aboard. Uh, Justin Mello is here in the studio. We will get him on in a just few uh, in just a few seconds. Once his, uh, his camera comes on, Uh, Paul Stasny uh, is heading back to Winnipeg. One year, $3.75 million AAV. And I think that's a fantastic deal for what Winnipeg needs, which is centers, centers, and even more centers. Because over there in Winnipeg, I don't think the Pierre-Luc Dubois deal has really worked out too well. And even though he can shift around, it's not that great. Um, Yeah, So. A good deal for Winnipeg, honestly. They get their they get the
2: they get the big guy to come home. And even just for a year, we'll see how they can affect their playoff run.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And uh let's get let's get Justin Mello on here. Uh let's take a peek and let's see. Let uh it looks as if that uh Justin will not be able to be uh on camera, but we can have him uh, we can have him on audio, so let's uh let's bring him on here. And uh, it looks as if that we're still going to keep on uh, with, with our three screen here. Justin, thank you so much for coming on here. Uh, let's introduce uh, Justin Mello, host of the podcast, uh, the Music City Audible for Broadway Sports, writer for the Tennessee Titans for Broadway Sports and Music City Miracles, and also covers the NFL Draft for the Draft Network. Justin, how are you? Thank you so much for coming on our show.
3: I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So uh,
0: Ian Schreier, let's get things started here with the Tennessee Titans in our AFC South preview here on the Primetime Rundown.
1: First off, Justin, thank you so much for coming on. This is Ian Schreier here with the uh, Primetime Rundown. And and I want to start here. I think this is the most important place uh, to start because I don't want to ignore really um, the two pink elephants in the room, one being uh, Derrick Henry and the other being uh, the acquisition of Julio Jones in the offseason. Um, and I want to look back on the postseason game last year against uh, Baltimore um, and how uh, Derrick Henry was only held to 40 yards rushing um, in that game against Baltimore last year. Um, What, I don't want to ask a question that might seem so obvious, but based on what you've seen with the Titans and as we enter into training camp, um, how important of, of a role does it really, with no more Corey Davis and now Julio Jones entering that wide receiver room and you know what he can do, you know what kind of factor he is in the red zone as well and that big playability, um what kind of factor does julio jones play for this team going forward and especially to take a little pressure off derrick henry to really put up 200 yards a game every night
3: yeah i think you kind of said it the most Important thing there is for them to be versatile and for them to spread them around. When you go back and revisit that playoff loss against Baltimore, uh, what was particularly disappointing to me about that game uh, was that they started well passing the ball. You know, A.J. Brown had a great first half. Uh, and, then, and then they kind of got away from that, right? They got away from the passing game and credit where credit's due. The Baltimore Ravens defensive line, they won the battle. They won the line of scrimmage and they shut down Derrick Henry and they shut down that running game. I think with the acquisition of Julio Jones, uh, yeah, replacing Corey Davis, who had a good year in his own right. Uh, but let's yes. be honest, Corey Davis is not Julio Jones, right? So I think getting a guy like Julio uh, in there uh, should allow them to be more versatile and, and not be overly reliant on Derrick Henry and to not be one dimensional uh, in these key games, when it comes to the playoffs, you know, the Titans want to run the ball. That's not a secret. And that's not about to change. They, they will run the ball a lot in 2021. I can guarantee that. But the important thing is when you're playing a team like Baltimore, a team that's got a great D line that can shut that down uh, by putting eight in the box like they did during that playoff game and really threatening Tennessee to beat them on the outside. Well, now with AJ Brown and Julio Jones, that's a bit of a different ball game when they've got one-on-one matchups out there.
1: And we know what, what, what Julio provides based on his resume and the same for AJ Brown. Uh, But, but I want to ask this. And my, my prediction is that the Tennessee Titans, uh, unless Carson Wentz just really blows us all away. Unlike Joey's prediction of the Colts being the team to beat in the AFC South, um my prediction is for the titans to really win again unlo- unless carson wentz blows us all away um to to win the afc south going away so my my question is is is, is i think the biggest question marks for the titans come on defense uh coming into the 2021 uh season so uh, there's there's no there's no denying that it's more than just an afc south uh division title that's on the table again for the tennessee titans this year the obviously the 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 peak right now is super bowl this team is built for a super bowl right now they they're, they're built to go up against the bills they're built to go up against the chiefs um what is the key really to that defense and the key overall to Mike Vrabel's scheme for the titans to get there this season
3: I think the key is for them to stay healthy, you know, and, and maybe catch a bi- a, co- a few better breaks, you know. You know, bringing in Jadavion Clowney and Vic Beasley last year was supposed to be uh, huge, right? And that was supposed to kind of transform that defense and take them to the next level. Uh, those two signings went about as badly as they could go, right? With Vic Beasley not really showing any effort or care, uh, really, to play football last yeah. year, and Jadavion Clowney Apparently, injuries. Yeah. Uh, popping up once again and, and getting zero sacks combined from those two guys when they paid more than 20 million for them on one year deals each uh was was nothing short of a disaster. Uh, so so what the key is this year is, you know, it, it's a it's an unknown. And I find that really interesting. Nobody knows what this Titans defense is really going to be this coming season because in the offseason they sent a clear message that personnel, you know, meaning players, they believe that was the problem, not coaching right? They kept defensive coordinator, Shane Bowen, albeit he didn't hold the title defensive coordinator last season. He was the play caller. They went ahead and added the defensive coordinator title to him now, which as you can imagine, wasn't very popular with Titans fans based on the defensive performance last season, but they did that and they made sweeping changes to the personnel. The secondary, especially Kenny Vaccaro gone, Malcolm Butler gone, a Dory Jackson, gone. Desmond King, gone. That's their top three corners in one of their starting safeties right? that they got rid of in the offseason, replaced with a veteran in, in Janoris Jenkins and a couple of rookies in Caleb Farley and Elijah Molden. So this defense is completely different. The personnel sweeping changes. I, I don't think anyone really knows what to expect, but I, I think the one saving grace for Titans fans is that The defense was atrocious last season. I mean, it really was god-awful. And they finished the year 11-5. and I mean, can it be any worse than it was a year ago? It's tough to imagine that being the case, but we're going to find out in a couple of weeks.
1: Do you think, and and and, I, and, I, and as a Giants fan, I want to touch on this point because you you had mentioned the loss in the secondary. It seemed like the biggest loss in terms of how poor that defense played was in the front seven, more in the defensive backfield. So, do you feel in the defensive backfield for Tennessee, losing a veteran player like Malcolm Butler, losing a player like N'Doye Jackson, replacing them with a with a veteran presence like Janoris Jenkins, who's really a few years removed now from an All Pro season, is really going to transform that defensive backfield now for Tennessee?
0: Yeah.
3: I don't know that it's going to transform the ba- uh, the defensive backfield. One thing I'll say is Adoree Jackson uh, was a non-factor last year. It's very easy for people to look at the Titans roster and say, oh, well, they lost Adoree Jackson. That's a big loss. It's not. You know, he played three football games last year. He picked up a mysterious injury before week one, was labeled as day-to-day, and then didn't play until week 15. And nobody really knew what was wrong with him. And he was horrible when he came back. I mean, we're just going to... You know, call it what it is. He he was very very bad uh, when they inserted him back into the lineup towards the end of last year. In fact, there are heavy rumors in, in that city, and I'm not going to pretend to know more on this than the next guy. But a lot of people feel that Adoree Jackson was released due to an attitude problem. You know, it's not like he was due a whole a whole ton of money. There are a lot of whispers that the team wasn't thrilled uh, regarding how he attacked his rehab. Because again, day-to-day before week one doesn't pop up before week 15. It was a very strange situation in Tennessee last year. Malcolm Butler played good football, but he's getting older and the salary was very hefty. So uh, Janoris Jenkins, I I see him as a Malcolm Butler replacement. He's the guy they've brought in to be a veteran and to lead uh, that corner group. And then the rest of it, look, a guy that people are forgetting about, that you know, if if you watch college football everyone seemed to love uh, at LSU, was Christian Fulton. He was a rookie last year. They received a lot of praise for taking him in the second round. And Fulton, unfortunately, was slowed throughout training camp with injury. And again, you know, being a rookie last year, and I had this conversation with Fulton, it was difficult, you know, coming in with COVID, uh, not getting a rookie minicamp, not getting OTAs, and then him getting banged up the way he got banged up. Uh, it just was strange. It was a strange rookie year for him. So they're looking at for Christian Fulton to take a huge step forward this year. You bring in Caleb Farley, your first-round pick. Of course, there's a question mark there with the back injury, and he's starting training camp on the NFI list. There are a lot of question marks in the secondary, and that's why it goes back to my point. No one knows how this thing is going to go. There's a lot of potential there. Guys like Christian Fulton, guys like Caleb Farley, a guy like Elijah Molden, who I absolutely loved coming out of the University of Washington uh, in this most recent draft class. There is so much potential. There's so much excitement here, but there's a lot of question marks as well.
1: I'll wrap up my part of the segment here, Justin, and thank you so much for all of your responses. I, I want to dive in a little bit here to, into the division because even though I did mention that I feel that the Titans are going to win the division going away, I, I want to ask you your opinion specifically on the Colts and and where you feel not maybe where they stack up, um, because it's you know Carson Wentz reuniting with his old OC in Philadelphia, but where do you see Wentz working along with that offense in Indianapolis? Do you think there's something to gel and that there's a that the Colts are a legitimate threat? uh, to Tennessee as, as AFC South champions this year.
3: I mean, they both finished with the same record last year at 11 and five. I think people forget that. And and the Titans won the division on, on a last second field goal by a kicker who had just been there for a couple days. Right. And it took a, took a, a dink off the, off the goalpost and went in. Right. So it, it was good. So I think it's going to be close once again. I, I do think the question mark regarding Carson Wentz is large enough where I feel confident considering considering the Titans to be favorites to win the AFC South. Once again, I'll be quite surprised if the Titans don't win the division crown, but I've been predicting all summer long. I I do think Carson Wentz will, I don't know that he'll be uh, quite as good as Philip Rivers was for the Colts last year. Not that Rivers was terrific, but he's certainly good enough, right? To get them to the record that they had. I do think Carson Wentz won't be a disaster. And I do think he'll have a decent season. I think he'll bounce back with Frank Reich there in Indianapolis. I see a nine, maybe a 10 win season on the horizon for Indianapolis, whereas Tennessee, I'll be surprised if they don't win about 11 games once again. DeLuca, you want to take this or sure. shall I?
2: Sure thing. Uh, yeah, Justin, thank you again for being on. Let me ju- le- Now that you gave your opinion on the division, let me just ask kind of a different question here. If the Indianapolis Colts are to somehow surpass the Tennessee Titans as division winners this year, what would have to be a move that the Tennessee Titans have to make in order to make sure that does not happen again? Because I gotta be honest, the odds of the of anybody other than the Titans taking this division, in my opinion at least, are very low.
3: Yeah, I think if the if the Colts win the division, it's it, it's tough to say. Obviously, we're forecasting one or two things happened. Uh, Carson Wentz absolutely plays lights out and regains uh, even, you know, the MVP form that we once saw from right. him in Philadelphia or Tennessee's defense was once again, an absolute disaster. And the offense isn't quite able to overcome uh, the defense like they were last year. With that said, I mean, it, it, What would have to happen for the Titans offense not to be able to overcome him? It would be shocking, right? If this offense doesn't put up close to 30 points a game with Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, and Ryan Tannehill has obviously performed very well in that offense. You'd have to think there'd have to be some injuries, For it to happen, maybe a Julio Jones. You know, we had his injury issues last year. Ryan Tannehill's had his injury issues in the past. Granted, those were several years ago. But for the Colts to win the division, I think it's either the fact that Carson Wentz just plays lights out football and regains that MVP form, or the Titans' offense is banged up with injury.
0: So Justin, thank you very. this is Joey over here. Thank you very much for, uh, for coming on here. Uh, we, we really all appreciate it. And I want to close with these two questions for you. Um, the big thing here for the Tennessee Titans, obviously, yeah, they were able to acquire Julio Jones. That's, that's good and all, but they also lost a big piece on their offense in, uh, in Jonu Smith who went to the new England Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about the possible, um, you know, in case, let's just say, for instance, on the off chance that Julio Jones were to, you know, not see eye to eye with Ryan Tannehill um, and, you know, Jonah Smith last year was really was really a, um, you, you know, like a almost like a, a security blanket for for Ryan Tannehill. Uh, talk about what Anthony Ferkser can do, uh, f- you know, how, how he can replace Jonah Smith or is he even replaceable? on this offense for the Titans.
3: Yeah, I've said all summer long, I think the biggest two things they lost in New Smith, uh, you know, headed over to New England, is versatility at the tight yeah. end position and a weapon in the red zone. New Smith, look, you can pull up the stats. He didn't like the league on fire when it comes to a receptions or a yard standpoint. That wasn't really his thing, but he did put up eight touchdowns. And anytime you have to replace eight touchdowns on <laughs> offense, uh, predominantly, of course, in the red zone, that could be a difficult thing to do. Of course, Julio Jones, uh, we know who I, I think. You know, the touchdown totals didn't always tell the story of him in Atlanta. I think he's a great red zone player, and perhaps yeah. Atlanta didn't take full advantage of that at times. Uh, but but with John U. Smith, you got to replace the eight touchdowns. Another thing that I think would have me slightly worried about uh, replacing John new is the versatility. He's a good run blocker and he's a good pass catcher. I'm not so sure the Titans have a guy like that at tight end anymore. Anthony Ferks while I think is a really underrated pass catcher, a great route runner. You saw that touchdown he had against new England in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Everyone remembers that one to open the score up. Uh, he they've never asked him to run block. I mean, they just really haven't done that at all. So you worry, you get into the conversation with, you know, did he take a step forward in that area this offseason? And when he's on the field, are you tipping your hand? I think that's I think not a lot not enough people talk about that. It's important to keep the defense on their toes. When Johnnie Smith's on the field, I don't know if it's run or pass. When Anthony Furch is on the field, there's a good chance that it's pass, right? That's kind of how it's been in the past. So how do they sort of make up for that? How do they overcome that challenge? One of the things I can see them doing is, just running a lot more 11 personnel this year. I think you'll see less of those two tight end sets uh, that they've used in the past. And I think you'll see more often three receivers. I mean, you went out and got Julio Jones. I don't think Julio and AJ are going to come off the field very, uh, very often. And then you got a guy like Josh Reynolds, who I think can play that number three role for you, uh, acquired in free agency from the Los Angeles Rams. So uh, I have a feeling you're going to see a bit of a shift in philosophy, especially with a new offensive coordinator, by the way. wouldn't even touch on that with Arthur Smith leaving and yes. taking uh, becoming head coach in Atlanta. You got Todd Downing now, a guy who ran a lot more 11 personnel the last time he was offensive coordinator uh, with the Raiders. So I think that's one of the things you'll see this year.
0: So I want to actually add on one more question here, Justin, because just by looking at some of the stats with Jonu Smith, as you brought up earlier, he had eight touchdowns. And then also with Corey Davis heading over to the New York Jets, he also had five touchdowns. That's a combined 13 touchdowns that now have to be replaced. So with Julio Jones being very capable of doing or of catching said 13 touchdowns, Not only is the pressure on Julio Jones, who else aside from Jones and Brown do you see possibly coming into the forefront and possibly becoming a breakout candidate this year for the Titans heading into the 2021 season?
3: I think the most important thing here, and one of the reasons I don't think the Titans will miss a beat, is obviously this offense is going to run through A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry, right? The three of them are obviously going to combine for the bulk of the team's touchdowns. But again, I think Anthony Furster... Is a good player, a great pass catcher who will catch, uh, you know, three, four, five touchdowns this year. Darrington Evans is a guy that they drafted in the third round uh, uh, two years ago. Rookie year was derailed. Look, they drafted him to be a change of pace guy to Derrick Henry. Didn't work out last year due to injury. But he's also a guy that's a really good pass catcher as a number two back. A totally different skill set than Derrick Henry has. I expect to see a lot more Darrington Evans this year, and the other guy that I mentioned being Josh Reynolds coming over from the Rams. Look, he's played in this offense before, basically, right? That was part of the reason he signed in Tennessee. Coming over from the Rams and what Sean McVay yeah. did over there is very similar to what Arthur Smith uh, did. In t- and even before Arthur Smith, what Matt LaFleur was doing in Tennessee, what Arthur Smith was doing. And I don't think Todd Downing's going to reinvent the wheel. They're not about to change uh, what led to 30 points a game, last, right? 30 points roughly a game last season for them. So when you look at the secondary weapons, Anthony Firkster, Darienton Evans, Josh Reynolds, I think these guys will be more than enough uh to help pick up the slack whenever aj brown julio jones and derrick henry uh need a helping hand
0: yeah and my my final question to you uh justin is is that we look at the regular season for the tennessee titans obviously they won the division last year and we look at what they did uh or rather this upcoming year, their upcoming schedule, weeks one through four is not easy uh, with with the exception of week four. But again, you can't count out any team. That includes the New York Jets, who they will be uh, playing on October 3rd. But the first three weeks, Arizona at Seattle and against Indianapolis to start the season Uh, for, you know, a, a random thought, I guess, if things were to go south in the first four weeks of the season, do the sirens light up for these Tennessee Titans? And especially since Tennessee is becoming this huge sports town, uh, the Titans and the the Predators, every single team that is in the Tennessee area, um, you know, they're getting more and more attention. So what happens, let's say, for instance, if the Titans get off to a one and three start on the season? Do does does Mike Frabel's seat get extremely hot? What go what happens there?
3: I think if the Titans start 1 and 3 no I, I don't think Mike Vrabel's seat gets hot I think he's he, he's relatively safe for now especially uh, during you know the first couple of weeks but I think the guy that'll probably be or the two guys that'll be facing the most heat you look to the left and right of Mike Vrabel you look at his offensive coordinator Todd Downing of course that being a big decision having to replace Arthur Smith and then even bigger than that uh, keeping Shane Bowen and making him the defensive coordinator what was certainly the most unpopular decision they made this off season. So if they're one and three people are going to look to those two guys. Either the offense is underproducing and Downing is they feel maybe, or the fans feel maybe isn't the guy to replace Arthur Smith or the defense is just as bad as it was last year. And everyone says, I cannot believe Mike Vrabel decided to keep Shane Bowen uh, when when he ran an awful defense last year and is doing it again. So uh, I think if they're two, you know, those are four tough games, like you said, relatively. If they're two and two, I don't think that's the end of the world. I don't think you'll hear anyone panicking, but if they're one or three uh, or worse, then, yeah, I think you will see a lot of panic from that fan base.
0: Yeah, it's really tough. But the Tennessee Titans, the pressure is on them in the AFC South. We'll see what happens. Uh, in this upcoming NFL season. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Mello, host of the podcast, the Music City Audible for Broadway Sports and a writer for the Tennessee Titans for the aforementioned Broadway Sports and Music City Miracles. And he also covers the NFL Draft for the Draft Network. Justin, thank you so much for coming on here, even though the miscommunication with the video, it all worked out perfectly. And we hope to have you back on in the future, either uh, audio or video, whatever it may be. Thanks again for coming on.
3: Yeah, my apologies regarding that. Didn't realize that you would need video, but uh, always happy to be on. Appreciate you for having me. Absolutely, Justin. Have a great one. Thanks again. We'll uh,
0: speak to you soon. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, Justin Mello, uh, we really appreciate him coming on, and uh, it worked out great uh, with, uh, with 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 uh, with just the audio. So it uh, it worked out well again for all of our audio listeners. Actually, this is this is the perfect way for uh, to listen to Justin Mello. Uh, who previewed the Tennessee Titans very well. And, uh, you know, he thinks just like what Ian and Rob think, where the Titans are going to win the division, uh, I I think not so fast. And some of the things that I had brought up was, uh, you know, you got to replace a few guys. And if things go awry, especially with this tight schedule, uh, again, 18-week season, you got 17 games now, that one extra game could make or break uh, a season. And Tennessee, we did not expect them to lose – uh, against Baltimore they did uh in the last in the last year i think they got better but uh we'll see what happens it's going to be a great 2021 season next week ladies and gentlemen we will be previewing two we will be previewing two divisions the afc north and the NFC east be on the lookout for our uh for our guests from the afc north and the NFC east on twitter by following us at observe eastern guys let's conclude uh with a couple of sports updates uh, jets assistant coach, Greg Knapp passed away, um, from injuries. He sustained in a biking accident. He was hit by a car, uh, really tough, uh, really tough stuff there for, uh, for Greg Knapp and really for the New York jets organization, uh, I believe he was in his late fifties, uh, which is even worse. Um, so, you know, really just prayers up to his family and to the jets organization, to the Knapp family, uh, and to everyone associated with former, New York Jets assistant coach, Greg Knapp. Um, and also uh, the New York post is reporting that New York Rangers expect are expected to sign uh right-handed defenseman uh, Patrick Nemeth in, uh, in uh, unrestricted free agency beginning on Wednesday. So we will see what happens there um, with the, uh, with the Rangers uh, guys. Let's get to our kudos uh, Rob Deluca, let's start with you on your kudos. Who do you uh, yeah, mine's, re- mine's real
2: simple right now. It's we're gonna we're sending out the good vibes to USA Soccer. They are on their they are on their way to the semifinals in the Gold Cup, and it it was a tough game against Jamaica last night. It was a one nothing final in the 83rd minute with a goal from the United States, and it was a real tight game. It, it shouldn't have been that close. They didn't play particularly well, but we st- we stay prideful to this country and we 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 ride those good vibes hopefully all the way to the Gold Cup championship.
0: So that's 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 excellent, excellent put or or very well put. Uh, Ian does not have a uh, kudos tonight, so I will uh, kind of combine uh, I guess a little bit of his because I'm kind of going to take a little bit of what he does for a living and put it here together with what I do in the summer. Uh, so. Uh, Hampton's Collegiate Baseball League, the upcoming championship series is between the Southampton Breakers and the Riverhead Tomcats. And the reason why I give my kudos to Adelphi baseball head coach Bill Ianciello is because his team finished the season on a six game losing streak, and since then, they have won three straight to make their way back into the Hampton's Collegiate Baseball League final. Uh, They will be taking on the one-seeded Southampton Breakers. They went, the Riverhead Tomcats, led by Ian Cielo, went from the one seed about a two-game lead and fell so far down as far as the fourth seed, where now they will be starting on the road on Wednesday at 4 p.m. That can be heard uh, here on the Eastern Observer. So that will be uh, some good stuff. Uh, And that is also their third straight strip to the summer league finals. Uh, For those that do not know what the Hamptons collegiate baseball league is, it is a uh, a smaller version of the Cape Cod league, just out here in the Hamptons. And uh, a lot of players uh, that are actually, there's actually one from Adelphi that Ian knows uh, very well, Nick Luke, he will be going to uh, the Cape Cod league once uh, the league is done, or his team actually was just eliminated. So he will be making his way up. Uh, SAG Harbor's DJ Perrin uh, just signed with Chatham with the anglers. Uh, They will be finishing. He will be finishing his season up in the Cape Cod league. And uh, you know, a lot of the guys that don't make it right out of the starting gate for the Cape Cod league, they eventually come down to the Hamptons league, uh, which is just as good. And uh, you're out on long Island. So really a fun place to play and also a fun place to work as well. So really kudos to, um, to the riverhead Tomcats and more notably, uh, Adelphi's baseball head coach, Bill Cielo for getting his team out of a massive slump. So Ian is done here tonight. Uh, I think it looks as if that we are going to finish on time. Yeah, I can't believe it. And I'll that, tell you that's, this. That's much. what
1: my kudos goes to tonight, guys. Wow. Yeah, well, a- and, a- and,
0: and And I think Ian's kudos, actually, I'm going to do Ian's kudos for him tonight. And his kudos is, is that we are finishing on time because he was at the Bronx Zoo all day with his daughter Emma and his wife Christine, and he is ready to knock out and go to bed. You see, <laughs> I'm actually
1: not, believe it or not, but uh, that is such a lie I, I
0: because when he rushes that, us off later, In you're old, you lie. It. There's no doubt about it, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Another great show here tonight. We cannot thank Director of Media Relations for Wagner College, uh. Uh, uh Brian Morales excuse me I was <laughs> getting his name combined with Tyler Adels cuz both of them were uh on this show tonight giving multiple comments we really appreciate them being uh you know consistent viewers and uh, and consistent guests uh to really just you know Give us as many comments as possible and join the show in that regard. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, on Thursday, we will be hosting the 2021 free agent frenzy special in the National Hockey League. That comes your way Thursday, July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern time, right here on the Eastern Observer. We will be welcoming the fourth periods, Dennis Bernstein, as well as Newsday's Andrew Gross, as well as our recurring guest, Mike Zabo, to chat all about the National Hockey League and the first 24 hours in the 2021-22 NHL season. All good things ahead. Let's keep on moving forward here, folks. Tomorrow night, beginning at 6 p.m., the uh, Essential Wrestling Podcast, presented to you by Pro Wrestling Pick'em, will be coming to you live at 6 p.m. right here on the Eastern Observer. It can be replayed on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, as well as YouTube and Spotify. All good things ahead. Let's keep on moving here with By subscribing to the Daily Wrestling News Show on uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, and also by searching on the I-95 Sports Network, be sure to tune in to them every Monday through Thursday starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time right here on the Eastern Observer. All good things ahead, ladies and gentlemen. Monday night, next Monday night, we will be uh, returning back uh, following our special on Thursday night alongside my guys Ian Schreier and Rob DeLuca. I'm Joey Jozinka. For all of us here at the Eastern Observer and the Blackjack Media Group, we will see everyone on Thursday night.